Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Kibia, and this is our special open spoiler discussion for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Let me say it again. This is an open spoiler discussion, which means we're going to talk about the movie in all of its open spoilery goodness. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, or if you haven't uh, wanted to see, wanted to know what's going on with uh, what's going on with Venom, what happens in the movie Venom, all that kind of stuff, then this video is not for you. Bookmark it, come back to it later once you've had a chance to see a movie. Otherwise, just be ready. We're going to get a big open spoilery discussion. It's kind of fun. And a big hello to everybody who's already here in the uh, live chat. Hello, everybody who's here. Good to have you guys here. Now, listen, since this is one of our special live chat videos, if you want to send in a comment or question, you don't use the tip link that's down in the description of the video. That is for the John Campia show. If you want to send in a comment or question to be read on this video, use the YouTube super chat feature. So uh, that's what you do there. So look, let me tell you briefly about my impressions with Venom. Venom Let There Be Carnage. Look, I said before, I will say it again. This style of movie is not for everybody, right? I mean, there were a number of people, I think most of the audience really liked the first Venom, but you had to be on board with the personality they gave Venom, right? The personality they give Venom and the dynamic of the relationship between Venom and Eddie, if you're not into the the nature of that, then the first movie wasn't going to work for you. And I think for a lot of critics, some critics like myself and a bunch of others liked it, but a bunch of critics that didn't really jive with them. I found the majority of the audience did, and for me, it certainly did. I love the Venom personality, and I love the nature of the relationship between him and Eddie. And this movie kind of doubles down on that. So that's why I was telling people, if you weren't a fan of the first Venom, then you're not going to like this one. I, I mean, that's not completely true because there's a whole bunch of film critics that didn't like the first Venom that did like the second Venom. I mean, even though the score isn't great, the fact of the matter is the second Venom has almost double the critic score that the first one did. So clearly... Some people who didn't like the first Venom are liking the second Venom. But if you are like me and you did like the first Venom movie, I think you'll love the second one. I had a blast with it. I had a total amount of fun with it. I liked just about everything about the movie except for one thing. I didn't like the rave scene. Now, let me go into something that I understand. The, there was a purpose for the rave scene. And the rave scene did have an, imp an important purpose. It had an important purpose. The purpose of the rave scene was to give us a little bit more insight into the emotional side and even the vulnerability side of Venom himself. You know, we get a bit of a glimpse into what bothers him, where his heart's at, like that, that it, it hurts him that he doesn't, that he has to be hidden away like a secret. He can't just be out and exposed. And I, I do like the way, I will say this, I do like the way that the, the analogy, if you will, that they gave in that rave setting, showing a bunch of different people with a bunch of different lifestyles and Venom kind of being there saying, I need to be free. I need to be able to not be ashamed. And, and the fact that he's got such a tight relationship with Eddie, but he feels that Eddie needs to keep him hidden away and Eddie's embarrassed of him. Look, there was a good purpose for the scene, the rave scene. I just think it could have been done. I think you could have done all those things in a different scene though. And, 
And you know what? I even think the rave itself could have worked if they just handled it. Look, I'm going to admit, I, I'm going to, um, I laughed a lot when the guy yelled out, hey, I love your costume. Thank you, single one person. I, I like that. Okay, that made me funny. I, I thought that was funny. That made me laugh. Uh, but overall, I thought, I get it. There was a purpose for the scene, and I get why they did it. I just think they could have accomplished that pers- uh, purpose in another scene. So, yeah, I, I that's what. But honestly, that is the one scene I didn't like in the movie. And I've seen the movie twice now. And that is the only scene I didn't like. Everything else I actually really, really liked. I also want to mention one other thing. That everybody was talking about the post-credit scene, right? Everybody's talking about the post-credit scene. And that's fine. The post-credit scene is great. I'm sure we're gonna. I'm sure a lot of you guys have already sent in questions and comments about the post-credit scene. We'll talk about that a lot. But there is one thing everybody missed. There's one important thing everybody missed, and nobody is talking about that. I actually think is even more important than the post-credit scene, and that's the fact that Shriek is a mutant. Right at the beginning of the movie, in the opening scene, she talks about her mutation. Her mutation is getting stronger, and she's being sent to a place where there are other people like her, other people with mutations. She's a mutant. And for all of us, myself included, wondering how they're going to bring mutants into the MCU, I'm not saying this is it. I'm just saying, isn't it interesting that the post credit scene showed us that Venom has been pulled into the MCU universe, but he is from a universe where there are already mutants, as established by this movie. We never knew that before from the first film, but the second film makes it clear there are mutants. So pulling them in from the Venom universe might, might, I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying it's possible that the entrance of the mutants into the MCU could very well be done through Venom's universe. It very well could be. So, uh, yeah. So Lance Bergson is saying, I'm 95% sure the word mutant or mutation was never mentioned. You're a thousand percent incorrect. I watched the movie twice. I thought I heard it the first time, so I paid special attention for it the second time. And she specifically refers to her mutation. It is the exact word that they use. JB is saying, John, are you still drunk? Uh, that would be a neat trick because I don't drink alcohol. So uh, no, I, I'm not drunk uh, because I don't drink. Anyway, that being said, uh, for those of you who don't know, I just got back from Vegas. I literally just got back from Vegas about 45 minutes ago. I was in Vegas for the last few days uh, at the World Series of Poker that I go to every year. And it took me a little longer to get back. So uh, my back's a little sore for sitting for, I'm not kidding, 24 straight hours in a poker chair. I'm not lying. I'll talk about it more on the John Campus show tomorrow. I was literally playing poker in the same chair straight for 24 hours. So my back is a little bit messed up right now, but I'm back. I'm back. Anyway, um, uh, Calvin Patel saying, did you win some money? Oh, I did. I'll talk about that tomorrow on the John Campus show. But at any rate, let's get back to this here. So um, yeah, the mutation thing, the mutation thing. I thought that was what are the ramifications of that? Maybe some, maybe a lot big, maybe nothing at all. Maybe it's, it was just a throwaway line. Maybe it doesn't mean anything at all. That's possible. 
That's possible. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, for me, I had a great time with the movie. Did I like it as much as Suicide Squad? No. Did I like it as much as Shang-Chi? No. But did I have a really good time watching Venom Let There Be Carnage? Absolutely. I had a really, really fun time with it. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but I thought Andy Serkis, who of course, of course plays Claw in Black Panther, I found he brought even more of Claw's personality to Venom. I don't know if you noticed that. I, I personally did. I personally did. So, yeah. Anyway, yes, super fun movie, really good time. Uh, had a great time. But again, it's it, you got to understand why some people don't like it. Because if you don't like the personality they give Venom from the first movie, you're not going to like this one. It's not for everybody, and that's perfectly cool. So a bunch of you guys really liked it. I really liked it. It's got a big audience score. Like, the, Let me look it up right now. The last time I checked, I think, was that the audience score was at uh, 83%. Let me just see. Venom, let there be carnage. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score uh, is now at, well, it's gone up. It's at 85%. The audience score is at 85%, which is higher than the audience score from the first movie. So, but yeah, you're going to talk to people who didn't like it, and that's perfectly cool because if you're not into that personality type, it's not going to work. Uh, but for me, it worked. I was smiling. And when I, t the second time I saw it uh, was with Anne and it was Anne's first time seeing it. Anne was laughing and smiling the whole time. Uh, just a, it was a good time. It was a really good time. Anyway. So guys, let's get on to the real reason why we're here and start taking your uh, comments and questions. Oh, and by the way, we're going to talk about this more on the John Campus show tomorrow. Venom just broke the box office record since the pandemic. The box office record holder was Black Widow at $80 million. Shang-Chi made $75 million. Venom just made $90 million. Opening weekend in a pandemic made $90 million opening weekend. Made $90 million opening weekend. Unbelievable. And by the way, Mo Reese in the live chat just reminded me of something. This, you know how you're allowed one or two F-bombs in every uh, PG-13 movie? That was the best use of an F-bomb ever. That, that, I mean, you could just tell Andy Serkis was saving it and saving it and saving it. And then, you know, in that part where he's got Cletus and he's without his powers now, he doesn't have the symbiote any, anymore. And Van just goes, fuck this guy. Best use of an F-bomb in a PG-13 movie since um, Logan's cameo appearance in X-Men First Class. Go fuck yourself. Like that, it was the best use of an F-bomb since that part. I thought that was great. Anyway, let's move on now and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? And we are going to get things started off here with, where are we starting? We're starting here with Aiden Foley, who writes, Hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much. I just realized that Shriek and Ernesto de la Cruz from Coco died in the same. I thought about that too. Being crushed by a bell doesn't sound fun. And by the way, I thought about that. When the bell falls on her, it's hollow in the middle. She could be alive. I'm not trying to be silly. Let me let me put this up. Let me put this up in a live chat right now. Um, is Shriek still alive? Uh, let me put because the bell falls. So I, I just put that up as a. Um, as a poll in the in the live chat there guys so take a look tell me but the bell is hollow in the middle right 
and the bell lands on her, but it, it may not have hurt her at all. She might just be trapped under there. I'm not saying she is alive, okay? I'm not saying she is. I'm just saying, I remember thinking the second time I watched, it's like, oh, yeah, she could just be under the shell. She could be totally fine under there. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll we'll have to see. Uh, I just don't know. So and I got the poll up there. So let me just check in on them. So I put up the poll about 15 seconds ago. Uh, about 240 of you guys have voted already. 40, 64% of you think she is alive. 30, 37% of you think she is not. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. You know, somebody in, in the live chat is saying, well, we never saw her on screen afterwards. True, but we never saw her body either. So she might be alive. She might not be. I think it's a coin toss. But again, uh, right now, 64, so now 65% of you say she is alive. 35% are saying she was not. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. All right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Jake C. who writes, 90 million opening weekend, best of the pandemic. Do you think that sh that speaks more to this movie's appeal or the audience getting back into movie going? Um, I don't know. I, it could. It's probably a little bit of both. It's probably a little bit of both. Um, because, yes, people are starting to get back into going to the movies again. I mean, we saw that really kick off. I mean, we saw that with Fast 9. And a little bit with Black Widow, we really saw it with Shang-Chi. We saw it with Free Guy. And now that people are starting to get more comfortable with going back to the movies, now have come out. Think about this, guys. In, in, the, in, recent, in the recent months, we've had four comic book movies open. All right? We had uh, Suicide Squad, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. We had Shang-Chi, which is still one of my favorite movies of the year. We had Black Widow, and we have Venom. If you were to ask anybody, say, two years ago, two years ago, hey, in 2021, these four movies are going to open, which, how many of you guys think Venom will be the top box office? We'll have the biggest opening weekend out of them. Nobody would have said it would have been Venom. Everybody would have said it either would have been an MCU movie or, you know, the first Suicide Squad made a lot of money, guys. Made a lot of money. So a lot of people might have said that too, but it actually ended up. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. I think movies like Fast 9, Shang-Chi have gotten people back into the habit of going back to the movies. And now that they are, Venom comes out big. But I also just think it's a sign. Listen, I know there was a bunch of people who don't like the first Venom, but a lot of people did. A lot more than the critics. And I am one of the critics and I liked it, but a lot more than the critics People had a great time with the first Venom movie. And I think even us, we've underestimated how much people really enjoyed that first one. I've been looking forward to going back to the second one. So, yeah, very excited about it. All right, next up, Ismail Montoya writes, John, after seeing Venom's post-credit, it confused me more because we've been talking about Sony taking back Spider-Man from the MCU. Um, now they're placing Venom in the MCU. I really hope Venom is a part of the MCU, not just an interaction from the multiverse. Listen, here I've been saying this a bunch. Here's what I think, okay? Here's what I think. Nobody from Disney or Sony has told me this. This is purely my own fan speculation. But I've been saying this for a while. This is all setting up Spider-Man's exit out of the MCU. I believe this whole thing that they're setting up is to lead us to Spider-Man leaving the MCU and going into Venom's Spider-Verse over at Sony. That's what I think this is all leading up to. 
I think the whole thing with Spider-Man No Way Home, I think the whole thing with that Venom post-credit scene, I believe all of this is a big, elaborate setup for Spider-Man leaving the MCU and going over permanently into Venom's Spider-Verse. And, and, and Venom will too. Venom will too. Now look, at that. don't take that to the bank. I don't know that that's what's happening. I could be totally wrong about that. I'm not 100% sure about that, not at all. But it just seems like Look, when Sony and Marvel announced back near D23 that they decided to re-up their deal for a few more movies, me and a bunch of other people said right then, a couple years ago, I bet the reason they extended this deal was so they could properly set up Spider-Man's exit out of the MCU. Because them ending the deal where it was going to end was very abrupt. It left everybody feeling very unsatisfied. It was going to kind of come out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Spider-Man's not going to be in the MCU. We said right from the beginning... We think they are they extended this deal so they could get a couple more movies out of it, but also to have a proper exit out of the of the MCU for Spider-Man. And I personally they believe I personally believe um, that that's what all this is about. All this is about having Spider-Man's exit out of the MCU serve a narrative purpose. And then that way we can seamlessly get Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the Sony Spider-Verse. And it'll explain why Spider-Man is no longer present in the MCU. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Eric Dubois is saying, I think if anything, Venom is coming to the MCU permanently. He's not. He's not. That belongs to Sony. There's no reason why Sony would let Marvel do that. Uh, so they want Venom and Morbius and Spider-Man. Sony has been spending a lot of money and a lot of time preparing its own cinematic universe its own Spider-Man-connected cinematic universe. So don't believe for a second, uh, don't believe for a single second that Venom is actually coming to stay in the MCU. There's no way Sony would allow that. Sony ain't going to let that happen. Not when they're trying to build their own cinematic universe. No chance at all. I mean, that's real wishful thinking, but it, it flies in the face of all the facts that we know. Sony is building their own cinematic universe. Venom is a central piece of that. There is no way they're giving him up to Marvel. Not a chance. Not a chance. So, anyway, uh, there's that. Okay, next up. Uh, thanks for that, Ismail. Next up, Benjamin Mason writes, Is it just me or did it seem like Venom knew who Spider-Man was in the post credit scene? I think that was just you, to be honest with you. Um, could have known... Could he have known the symbiote from Tom from Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 3? No, 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 no. This isn't at all connected to that. This is clearly a totally separate thing. And I, I didn't get it all personally, Benjamin. I'm just saying for me personally, I didn't get at all uh, any sense that Venom knew Spider-Man when he saw him on the screen. I, I thought, if anything, he was fascinated by him, but I don't think he knew him at all. So I think that was just you, Benjamin. But who knows? Let's see what happens. All right, Chad... Kovey Duck sends in, hey, John, mind blown, uh, best post credit scene in a while. Do you have any concerns about No Way Home being too overcrowded now? I have faith in Kevin Feige and Marvel, but it is a thought I've had. No, because listen, we've talked about this many times before. Overcrowded is a myth. There's no such thing as overcrowding a movie. What there is, is misusing the characters that you have. Again, like I point out like the first X-Men movie. Was that overcrowded? The first X-Men movie was the most important comic book movie ever made. 
Let me say that again. The first X-Men movie is the most important comic book movie that it's ever made. All the studios and the major producers, <laughs> pardon me, in the industry point to the fact that the reason there is a comic, there is a huge, that comic book movies today are where they're at is because that first X-Men movie came out. And like the big DC producer, the guy who produced all the Christopher Nolan Batman movies and has, has produced all the, the Snyder DC stuff and everything, he has said it was that moment when the first X-Men movie came out that Hollywood realized we can make these kinds of movies. Comic book movies don't have to be this way that they always used to be made before. We can do them differently. They don't just have to be great comic book movies. They can be great movies. I mean, you knew the first X-Men movie was special from the moment that it started. And you realized, that, oh my God, they're going like to the concentration camps? What? And it's like, that was kind of unheard of for like a comic book movie. Anyway, anyway when you go back to the first X-Men movie, um, Elijah Lamar is saying something in live chat that a lot of people say, but Blade came first. Yeah, but Blade didn't make Hollywood change its mind about comic book movies. It just didn't. I mean, you, you can say Blade, Blade, Blade all you want, and I love Blade, particularly Blade 2. But Blade is not the movie that did that. Blade isn't the movie that made all of the Hollywood producers and studios sit up and go, wow, we can make that kind of a movie? Um, the Hollywood producers all say it was the first X-Men movie. It was far more significant. And again, I say that as somebody who very much loves Wesley Snipes' Blade and Blade 2. I actually even like Blade 2 more. But uh, it was the first X-Men movie. Anyway, when talking about overcrowded, well, look at the first X-Men movie. It had Professor Charles Xavier. It had Magneto. It had Storm. It had Jean Grey. It had Cyclops. It had Rogue. It had Toad, it had Sabretooth, had Wolverine, had, um, uh, oh, uh, you had Mystique. You had, I mean, there's, there's 10 characters right there. There's 10 characters right there. Was that, did that movie feel overcrowded? No, because they use the characters properly. Look at Infinity War or Endgame. They had 20, 30, 40 characters. Did the movie feel overcrowded? No. No. Because they were used properly. But then you get a movie like The Amazing Spider-Man 2 that had less characters than X-Men and less characters than Infinity War, and it felt way overcrowded because they misused the characters that they had there. So when you ask me the question, am I afraid that Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be overcrowded, the answer is no. Because it's not about how many characters you have there. It's about do you use them properly? And if they do, great. And if they don't, oh well. But it won't have anything to do with the number of characters. I don't personally think. Good question, Chad. Next up, uh, Ben Rayner writes, uh, so is this how they bring mutants into the MCU? That is, that's what I'm guessing, but it's only a guess. I still think there's a lot of other possibilities, but I mean, it's it's... It's a possibility. Uh, if they were in Venom universe and now that's merged with the MCU, it has to be, right? Well, remember, they never said, the post credit scene never said Venom's universe is now merged with the MCU. We just saw Venom get sucked in, right? Venom has been sucked into the MCU. Because if the whole Venom-verse has been sucked in, then he would have been in the same hotel room that looked exactly the same. Instead, he was pulled into a different universe in that, but that same hotel room in that universe has been kept up nicely. It was higher class. It looked real pretty, right? So, but it could be one of the ways they're going to do it, Ben. I mean, that's what I'm speculating anyway. All right, next up. 
Uh, Aiden Foley writes, I love that whole animatic of Cletus' childhood. I did too. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't really into it, like the whole pencil sketch drawings of like bad little Cletus and everything. I didn't like it for the first five or 10 seconds, but when I really started to get what they were doing with it, it really started to grow on me. And then when I saw the movie the second time, it's actually one of my favorite parts because they gave Cletus's complete backstory in one minute. Think about it. They gave Cletus's entire backstory in one minute of screen time in a very creative, neat way. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought that uh, I thought that animatic was really, really creative, very well done, and it compacted a lot of storytelling into a very small period of time that was very clear. Like sometimes when you try to compact a lot of story into a very short period of time, the message of it isn't clear. But this was actually pretty damn clear. All right, it made it very clear, very quick. Uh, it was very, very well done. All right, uh, next up. We've got Benjamin Mason writes, uh, pacing felt good for me with the 90 minute runtime. I agree. It got to the point I could have done without Venom partying scene. Yeah, the rave scene, again, it, it there was a purpose for it and I appreciated the purpose. I just think it could have been executed differently. Uh, although I get why it was in there. Yeah, and listen, that was one of the other big questions going to the movie. 90 minutes, 90 minutes. Oh, why is it 90 minutes? It was great. The runtime was great. Now, could it have used an extra 10 minutes? Yeah, it, I mean, there was a couple points where you probably could have put it in there for like an extra five or 10 minutes. But at 90 minutes, this movie sang. Like it was quick paced, it was tight, it was streamlined, it was all killer, no thrill, no filler. It was just, there was no scenes that I felt were wasted. Like I didn't like the rave scene, but it wasn't a wasted scene. It was communicating important things about the movie. So while I didn't like the scene, it was a necessary scene that just should have been done better, but every single scene served purpose. Uh, there wasn't extra scenes. It's like, okay, the purpose of the scene was already accomplished in another scene or anything like that. Right. I thought it was great. I thought the 90 minute runtime was great. And when the movie was over, I never felt like, Oh, there was so much left undone. I never felt that. So for me, the 90 minutes worked really well. Again, some movies work best at two hours. Some movies are too long at two hours. Some movies are way too long at two hours and 45 minutes. Some hours, some movies, two hours and 45 minutes is the perfect runtime. And I just kind of felt like, yeah, a roughly 90 minutes, roughly 90 minutes for Venom, Let There Be Carnage was a very, very, that was the best runtime for this movie. I felt personally, but that was just me. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Thomas... Uh, Mises writes, Hey John, I just want to say I admire the hard work, a sacrifice and dedication you put into this channel. Thank you so much, Thomas. Um, thanks for entertaining us so much. You're amazing. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. And Hey, listen, thank you so much for being one of our community and one of our viewers. Um, it's, it's awesome. And thank you so much for the kind words. It's always nice when somebody wants to write and just say something nice. So thank you for that, dude. I appreciate that. All right. James Mutombo writes, my first reaction is that I really enjoyed the film. 8.5 out of 10. Um, uh, then I guess this is continued. Assuming Disney slash Sony extend their sharing agreement, which I do not think they're going to do. Uh, assuming Disney slash Sony extend their sharing agreement to more characters, many indications that they will. I disagree. Uh, Disney Sony streaming deal. Olivia Wilde comments, mentions of mutants in Venom 2. Um, do you think that they will explore the 
Clintar race, as Venom mentioned, a hive mind in the post credit scene, like the god Null or something like that. Anyway, uh, which, oh, yeah, you mentioned Null. A post credit scene which Null, god of the symbiotes, created. Uh, with Gore, the god butcher, in Thor 4, I wondered if they will mention or indicate the presence of Null as, go- as, as Gore gets his abilities from All Black, the Necrosword, a symbiote Null created, uh, which I'm very familiar with. Uh, I also highly doubt uh, Tyrese was lying about Morbius being in the MCU now. I mean, Morbius and Blade movies are coming out. Coincidence much? Kevin Feige is playing us like fiddles. And you know what? I'm going to say something very unpopular right now. I'm going to say something very unpopular but you're going to have to hear it and you're going to have to take it. Amy Pascal, including from me, I admit this, including from me, Amy Pascal got a lot of shit from people. Got a lot of shit from people, right? And like when they were talking, promoting the first Spider-Man movie, Amy Pascal who is the co-executive producer of those things, along with Kevin Feige, Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige were going out and doing all their press stuff together. And everybody always gave shit to to Amy Pascal. Me too. Me too. But in hearing more and more from Kevin Feige about Amy Pascal's role, not just in the Spider-Man movies, but understanding her role, also how she's played it in Venom and all that kind of stuff. She was actually a very important Uh, part of that whole thing. And while we all, myself included, admittedly, have rushed to give all the praise to Kevin Feige, the reality is Amy Pascal, uh, according to Kevin Feige and others, also deserves a lot of credit. And I think that part of the big success of this has a lot to do with Amy Pascal. And I think there are people like myself who were giving her a lot of shit a few years ago are going to have to maybe walk back on a bunch of that and eat our words a bit and say, you know what? Uh, This lady is smarter than, than we gave her credit for. And there's a reason she's in the position she's in. And I think she's going to have to get to start getting some, you know, as LeBron James would say, put some damn respect on her name. I think there are a bunch of us that have not given it before are going to have to start putting some damn, damn respect on her name. And so, uh, yeah, but, but again, I disagree. I do not think they're going to extend the, uh, the deal. I think they're going to modify the deal, but in a way that now divorces the two that may leave the door open for things in the future. But again, this is all speculation, totally, totally, totally speculation. So we'll see, but no, so I don't expect to see null and I don't expect to see all that stuff in Thor. Yeah. There's a history of that in the comic books, but 80% of the stuff that's in the comic books never actually makes it into the movies anyway. So that's kind of my guess. I could be wrong, could be totally wrong, but that is my guess right now at any rate. All right. Let's see. Next up, A-Rod 2006 writes, I loved Venom 2. I've seen it two times. Got to meet Andy Serkis. I think Sylvie uh, killing He Who Remains or Wanda using the Darkhold is why Eddie is now in the MCU. I don't think so. I don't think so. My guess is whatever that oopsie is that Doctor Strange has when he's... um, uh, what that you know when he's doing his thing in uh, the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home, whatever that thing is, I think, I think that is what is going to pull him into the universe. 
Now, I don't know that for sure. I don't know that for sure. Um, but let me just see if I can find something here. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, but I'd like to see if I can. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's what's that brought him in. By the way, I just wanna I just wanna show this. Just a, a little little bit of fun here. Let me bring this up on screen here. So speaking of uh of Andy Circus, that's me and Andy. Uh a few years ago. Uh I got to meet him at the Star Wars. Uh, which premiere was it? It was one of the Star Wars premieres. It was either the Force Awakens. No, it wasn't the Force Awakens. It was uh, uh, The Last Jedi. It was at the Star Wars The Last Jedi premiere. And we were at the after party. And I saw Andy Serkis. And, of course, I've been a, a fan of Andy Serkis for years. And so I went up to him and I started talking to him. I'm like, Andy, uh, I'm, oh, I didn't say Andy. I said, Mr. Circus, I just wanted to introduce, I say, I'm a big fan of your guys. Uh, my name's John. And of course, uh, I, I it's one of the biggest thrilling, 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 thrilling moments of my life when Andy Circus said to me, I know who you are. And I'm like, <laughs> so I, I'm like on my, on my face on the outside, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. That's, that's really nice. Meanwhile, inside, I'm like, ah! And I'm peeing myself a little bit and I'm like, ah! like, I'm just completely freaking out because I'm just a big nerd at heart. I'm just a big nerd. But yes, when I'm like, I just want to introduce my name. Oh, I know who you are. <laughs> anyway, so I got to hang out, talk to him for about 10 or 15 minutes at the party. We were talking about the movie, super awesome, wonderful, classy guy. Um, you know, a lot of time you meet these celebrities and, and they'll be nice. Right. But whatever, but Andy circus, like, was just like, he was totally engaged and totally interested in what you want to say and totally interested in hearing what you thought. And super, super nice guy could not have been, uh, more thrilled with the dude could not have been more thrilled with meeting him. And it just meeting him just made me an even bigger fan, uh, of that. Anyway, uh, next up, let's keep going here. Murray Reich writes, uh, that moment where Eddie's ex was hanging by a thread by the church bell remind me of the same situation of Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Gwen Stacy, only this time she was saved. Imagine the ugly outcome. Yeah, I mean, that was very similar. But you know what? Even if you go back to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies, all three of them, every single one of them at some point had um, Mary Jane captured by the bad guy and dangled from a high place as bait for Spider-Man. Go back and watch all three movies. That literally happened in every single movie. The girl taken by the villain and dangled from the high, from a high place as a lure and bait for Spider-Man. Done in every single one of them. It was nice to see Mark Webb, the director of uh, the Amazing Spider-Man movies, uh, carry on with that long and proud tradition. Carry on with that long and proud tradition. All right, thanks for that, Murray. Uh, next up, Murray also writes, uh, man with that crappy uh, apartment that Eddie rents, he sure has lots of dough to buy a new TV after it got destroyed. Well, listen, if he's supposed to live in New York, no, I mean San Francisco, if he's supposed to live in San Francisco, you gotta be rich to even live in the crappiest apartment. You gotta be rich to live in the crappiest apartment over there. So, uh, yeah. By the way, can I mention the one other thing I didn't like about Venom 2? 
I already mentioned the rave scene. I'm not a big fan of the rave scene, even though I understand its purpose. The other thing that I did, the other, it's not even the whole scene I didn't like. There was just something about one scene that I didn't like. And it was the Venom making breakfast scene. Just even though I totally get the personality of Venom, even that I say tomato, you say tomato, let's call the whole thing off. I don't mind him singing, but listen, here's the thing. Venom, all right, at one point in the movie, takes controls of Eddie's hands, right? He takes control of Eddie's hands and draws this perfect, immaculate reproduction with great finesse and great skill of these images that he had seen on Cletus's walls, right? And beautiful, precise mastery of reproducing that on a page, right? Okay. So how come he's a totally clumsy, incompetent idiot when it comes to operating a blender or making pancakes? Like he's got this skill and precision of an art master, but is totally a bumbling buffoon knocking things over and everything while he's making breakfast. Uh, Yuicha is saying in the live chat, but he did that on purpose. Did he do it on purpose? Why would he do that on purpose? I don't know. I don't know. I thought that part was a little bit silly. I thought that that part was, but that's just me. That's just me. All right. Uh, And yes, Marie. Yeah. Expensive. But listen, even though it looks like a crappy apartment, you got to have some money so he could live there and still have money for a nice TV and a nice bike. All right. Johnny Weiner writes, I adore this movie. Carnage uh, was chef's kiss. Absolute. I don't know why people uh, think make it R would have much better or carnage anything or change anything in this movie. I agree. There was no reason for this movie didn't have to be rated R. And look, one of the things I said in my quick out of the theater review about this movie was I was surprised how much they got away with because there is a lot of murder in this movie. There's a lot of murder. Carnage kills a lot of people. Now, granted, most of the killing was done with blunt force trauma, like smashing them against walls or against floors or whatever he did while eating the guy's guts from the inside out that he had pinned up against the wall. And so you don't see, that's the only thing, you just don't see blood. Oh, if we had seen blood, the movie would have been better. <laughs> whatever. I, I thought it was it worked perfectly great. It didn't have to be R. I thought it worked great, and I thought they really did Carnage well. You know what they nailed? They totally nailed uh Cletus like when I was watching the movie I like I really like often movies even the best ones the MCU ones the DC ones all of them they take a lot of liberties and change a lot of things from the actual comics but when I was watching this personally Woody Harrelson's Cletus I thought that that to me was literally Cletus from the comics jumping coming to life jumping off the page and coming to the screen like I I just that felt perfect to me. That felt perfect. But anyway, that, that was just me. All right. Thanks for that, Johnny. Uh, next up, Johnny Weiner also writes, I really love Woody's portrayal as Cletus. I was just saying that. Uh, that I was bummed out that Venom ate him, understandably. Uh, Andy said that it's possible that he could come back. Uh, maybe still has a symbiote in him, hoping it happens. I mean, I, I don't know. You could bring him back. You could not bring him back. I thought his ending was great. 
And I really like the fact that he basically kind of says at the end, like, what I really wanted was your friendship. He's never had a friendship. He's never had a friend. Like, yes, there was Shriek. He, he loved her and all that kind of stuff. But he, outside of that, he never had, like, a male friend. And he saw a lot of himself in Eddie. And, um, and that last little thing, I especially like it at the end there. And when Eddie says to him, I'm listening now. You just never listen. I'm listening now. Like, we're about to kill you, but I'm listening now. And I like that line a lot. And then Venom fucked this guy and ate him. I love that ending. I thought that was, I thought that ending was great. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next up. We, that one. Okay. Uh, 24 Savage writes, Venom making 90 million opening just makes Dune and Matrix going to HBO Max even more ridiculous. Dune isn't even going to get nowhere near that. I agree. I think Dune is going to make somewhere around 40. I think very well Dune could end up being the best film of the year. It is still my most anticipated movie of the year. I think it'll, I'm guessing, just a guess because I haven't seen it. My guess is it's going to be the best movie of the year. But it's going to do horrible at the box office. Number one, because it's already going to be a challenge to get a movie out, to get people out to a movie like that. But then number two, they do the, they're total morons over there. Total morons. Who made the decision to put Dune on HBO Max. Stupid. Absolutely idiotic. There's no other way to put it. Uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, okay, next up. Uh, 24 Savage also writes, I don't see Venom uh, staying in the MCU for long. Uh, Mulligan as Toxin. Is Shriek still alive? Other Ravencroft villains. Uh, what was Venom going to show Eddie? Uh, seems like Eddie still has issues back in his universe. Absolutely. Eddie's going back. Listen, Eddie is going back to the MCU. Now, we speculated on the John Campy show a while ago before seeing Venom that we were starting to guess that we might actually see Tom Hardy in Spider-Man No Way Home. And after that post-credit scene, obviously he is. Well, maybe not obviously, but it seems pretty damn clear he is. Actually, let me post up another poll in the live chat here. Uh, but I think the answer is yes. Will Tom Hardy be in Spider-Man uh, No Way Home? And let's just put it like that. Because, I mean, they could have done that post credit scene, and it doesn't necessarily mean he has to be in Spider-Man No Way Home. But, I mean, I think he is. I mean, we were guessing weeks before we saw Venom that, hey, maybe Tom Hardy could pop up in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a total possibility. I think it's a total possibility. Right now, about 200 of you guys have answered the poll, and 83% of you are think he's going to be in there. 17% think he's not. Yeah, it's not an automatic. It's not an automatic. He may or he may not. But uh, I think that's kind of interesting uh, that they did that. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I the, the, the implication was that because, look, in the, in the comics, there is some of you may not know who Toxin is. So just as Carnage is the offspring, if you will, of Venom, Toxin is an offspring of Carnage, if I remember correctly. And in the comics, Toxin merges with Patrick Mulligan, who is the cop in this movie. And they, you know, they're heroic until Patrick dies in the comics. But anyway, so I, to me, it seemed like it was being implied that Patrick was becoming Toxin. But I don't know how that happens because I never at any point saw any bit of the symbiote go into Patrick. I'm, maybe I, it did and I just missed it. But uh, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, thanks for that, 24 Savage. Next up, 
B.W. Ross writes, uh, so we got to see she Venom again, yes, and it seems Anne was more willing to bond with Venom. Could it be she is starting to like it after the first bond? I don't think she's liking it. I think she did it because she had to. Like, that's what they had to do to get Eddie out. By the way, I, can I just say I love Venom's obsession with Anne? Anne in the movie, not my Anne. Can I just say I love it? That was supposed to be us. Or when when uh, Eddie's phone is ringing and you just hear Venom's voice, it's Anne, it's Anne, answer the phone, it's Anne. And then when Anne starts flirting with him, when when Venom is in Mrs. Chen, you're the coolest and whatever. It's like, mm. like I, I don't know why. I And Anne is, my wife, my wife Anne, was like laughing her head off at all the times Venom was like exposing his complete obsession with uh, the character Anne. So... I know. I just, I just thought that was great. I, but yeah, no, I don't think it means she's more willing to do it. I just think it, she had to do it. I mean, obviously she likes Venom. She speaks directly to Venom a couple of times. But I mean, I don't think that means she wants to be bonded with all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, but she did. I, th I felt she did because she knew she had to. Anyway, Gabe Byrne writes, which film is better, Venom 2 or Godzilla versus Kong? I mean, that's a subjective opinion. Um I like both of them a lot. I like both of them a lot. I had so much fun with Godzilla versus Kong. That was like, that was the first movie. Well, that wasn't the first, but I mean, Godzilla versus Kong was just big, dumb fun, man. I, I had such a good time with that. It's the same kind of enjoyment I had from Venom 2. I don't know. To me, it's a little bit of a coin toss. Bit of a coin toss for me on that one. All right, next up. Uh, Russell Amador writes, uh, where are we at? I think with the way uh, Jameson described Spider-Man uh, was a menace, that's enough to convince Venom he's the enemy. Spider equals bad guy. Bad guy equals food. I, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Uh, generally speaking, Eddie doesn't want Venom to just go around eating random people. Maybe yes, maybe no. But, I mean, I see a lot of people speculating, is Venom going to be a part of a Sinister Six? Number one, I don't even know that they're going to do Sinister Six. But number two, if he was, Venom is Venom sees himself as a hero. He wants to stop bad guys. He is the lethal protector. He wants a cape and a mask. He doesn't want to associate with villains and bad guys. So I see a lot of people saying, oh, he's going to be part of the Sinister Six. Well, in what way does that make sense? Venom is not does not see himself as sinister. He sees himself as a hero. Protecting the people. Fighting bad guys. That's what he wants to do. He ain't going to join up with Electro or anything like that. Anyway, uh, this is my kind of thought. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, Static Space Sean writes, I found it hilarious how Eddie tells Venom he couldn't get a job cleaning toilets. Then later, Venom tells Anne, Eddie said I couldn't even get a job fixing toilets, which is a higher skilled job. You know what? I didn't even notice that. I didn't even notice that. Was there that little language difference in their static? If so, that's a good catch because I missed it myself. So that's actually a pretty good catch there. All right. Ryan Lohner writes, and now we wait for Venom to to not be in No Way Home. And then the third movie starts with, that was a fun time bar hopping in another dimension. Maybe, I mean, listen, again, just because that post credit scene is there, that means something is going to happen. But it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be in No Way Home. 
I think he will be, but it's not an automatic. So you're, you're kind of right about that, Ryan. All right, next up. Ryan also writes, um, so after Jameson's report, Peter just took off his mask and did a heroic pose for anyone who wanted pictures. Seems like a costume test on blue screen. I think that was supposed, no, no, no. That was from the other movie. Like, I think that's from a like drone video footage of when for, like actual shot in the movie. He wasn't posing for a camera. I believe that was caught video of him with the mask off. I could be wrong about that. It's been, it's been a beat since I watched far from home. But I thought that was a shot from that movie. So anyway, that's that's my guess at any rate. All right, next up. Ryan Fredericks writes, Love how after after every topic you say, jump on down to the comment section and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down and out of the way, you know what? I do that for two reasons. There's two reasons why I do that. And they're both practical. Number one, because I do want to let people know because I read the comment section. I, I don't often, I don't, ever have time to reply to all the comments in the comment sections, but I read all the comment sections. So I want to know what pe various people are thinking. So I, I, at the end of every topic, I want to say, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts. And then I say, with that out of the way, and I'll tell you why I do that. I'll tell you why I do that. It's a little trick I use. Here's a little bit of inside information for you, a little behind the curtains for you. Because not only do I say, jump on down to the comment section below, I actually point down and go, jump on down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. There's a reason I do that. And that reason is for after the show is done every day, the first thing I do is I have to take the show and I bring it into DaVinci Resolve. That's the video editor I use. I bring it into Resolve and I edit out all the individual segments that we can then upload to the YouTube channel as individual videos, right? And one of the ways to make that processor that process much faster is for me to give myself big audio and visual cues oh, that this is when that topic ends. So as I'm doing super fast scrubbing through the video, finding the beginning point and the end point of that segment, I just look for myself where I, the camera comes back to me full shot like this one. Just sometimes the cameras are with me in a little corner or me side by side with Rob or the wide shot from over there. But I look for me coming back to full screen and then me doing this. Once I see that, I know, okay, I can stop here because this is where the segment ends. And then I put in the cut, move on and start the next one. So yes, it is for, because I want to make sure everybody knows, I want them to leave a comment in the comment section, but also I leave it as a visual cue for me so I know where to do my edit. And it makes the process faster and easier for me. See? Huh? No off position on this genius switch, ladies and gentlemen. No off position on the genius switch. Just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. <clears throat> Next up, we've got the sock rights. Time to die. That's the spirit. No, I'm talking about us. We are going to die. And F this guy. We're two of my favorite moments. That was a great line. That was a great line. Like, I love when he says, time to die. Oh, that's it. No, I'm talking about us. We are going to die. I love that. And you know what? They didn't even have to give any explanation. Just when Venom's like, oh, shit, it's a red one. Like, he didn't even have to explain what that meant. Right? He didn't even have to explain what that meant. And we totally got it. Like, we totally got it. Time to die. Us. We are going to die. I just, I just thought that was really good. By the way, can I just say, I thought that whole fight sequence was awesome. 
I thought the whole fight between Venom and Carnage was fantastic. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I thought that was great. Okay, <clears throat> next up. Uh, that was the sock. Next up is Ryan Loner. I was kind of hoping Eddie would say, hey, it's that night monkey kid uh, with the red suit. Well, that wouldn't make any sense because Eddie's not in the MCU. Eddie is in a different universe and is only brought in at the end. So he wouldn't have recognized him as night monkey. So that wouldn't have made any sense. Uh, unbeatable rights. So he supposedly gets shook shook uh to another universe before peter went to dr strange or is this an end of loki thing i say probably not who knows no no no. listen if you look back to spider-man into the spider-verse right if you look back to spider-man into the spider-verse which is bloody fantastic um the way they explained characters being pulled in from other universes, if you're being pulled in from another universe, space and time become different concepts. And so some of the alternate Spider-Men in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse got pulled in the exact moment that Peter Parker from that universe did. But but Spider-Gwen actually arrived like, how what did, I, I can't remember exactly, but a few weeks earlier. Spider-Gwen popped into our universe weeks before the regular Peter, the full-grown adult Peter Parker, got sucked into Miles Morales' universe. Even though, even though that machine happened all at once, it didn't necessarily bring them in at the exact same time. So, if you want to take that sci-fi logic, if you want to take that sci-fi logic, then... Doctor Strange doing something may have ripped open holes to other universes or whatever, and it may have pulled them in at different points in time. So, for example, and I'm just using, I'm just making this up, okay? So, for an example, though, we could watch Spider-Man No Way Home and find that Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 got pulled in as a result of Doctor Strange's thing but he actually arrived in the MCU five years earlier and that this Doc Ock has actually been living in the shadows in the MCU for the last five years. He's just been in hiding, right? So Doctor Strange casts a spell in No Way Home and when he does that, Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 arrives in the MCU during the time of Infinity War. Meanwhile, Electro arrives in present day. So they could be showing up at different points in time. So I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't even have a random guess at it, but I'm just saying there's a lot. I don't think it has anything to do with Loki. It has nothing to do with Wanda. I think it will have everything to do with what Doctor Strange is doing in Spider-Man No Way Home. It won't have anything to do with Loki. It won't have anything to do with Wanda. It'll all be about the current story. Because remember this, everybody always argues about this, but it's always proved right. Kevin Feige does not make it necessary for you to watch the other stuff to watch the current movie. So if Venom is in a Spider-Man No Way Home movie, it will not be a prerequisite that you had watched the Disney Plus show Loki in order to understand how he ended up there. Nor is Kevin Feige going to make it a requirement that you have watched the Disney Plus One Division show for you to even remotely understand how is Venom suddenly in the MCU. 
Kevin Feige makes sure that everything you need to know about a movie is in that movie. He's always done it. That's how he does it. So I don't see any reason at all or any any possibility or any reason to believe that Venom coming in there is going to be associated with the Loki series or with WandaVision. It's all going to be connected to Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange is in that movie. Now, again, Kevin Feige hasn't called me on the phone to let me know that. But I, I, that's just that's just the way he's always done things. So that's my guess. That's my guess. All right. Next up. Kick it to the King writes, my contenders of who caused Venom to pop into the MCU are Sylvie. Nope. The Watcher. Nope. Doctor Strange. Yes. It's 100% Doctor Strange. Take it to the bank. Uh, Wildcard is Green Goblin. Nope. Based on him using Doctor Strange cube mirrors months ago. Congrats to the happy couple. Uh, again, look, again, Kevin Feige has not called me to tell me this, so I don't know. So this is just me, just like everybody else fans speculating, but I'm telling you, it's the only option is Doctor Strange. It isn't going to be Sylvie. It isn't going to be Loki. It isn't going to be anything to do with any of the other movies. It's going to have, it's going to be caused by something that happens in No Way Home. And so that makes it pretty clear, I think, that it's going to be Doctor Strange. But we'll see. We'll find out soon enough. We're getting closer and closer. All right, King of the King also writes, there's no way Marvel Studios didn't know about the credit scene. Well, of course. Uh, it's a win-win going forward, having the Venomverse in the MCU, Spider staying long-term. Disagree. This is all setting up Spider-Man's exit. This is all This is all setting up Spider-Man's exit. This isn't about setting up a long-term thing. This is about setting up Spider-Man's exit. Now, I mean, don't know that for sure. Kevin Feige could, you know, pull a wild one and, and Amy Pascal and Sony could pull a big one and all that kind of, sure. But I think what is pretty clear is uh, personally, I think, and it would, I, who knows, but I think what is clear is that this is all setting up Spider-Man's exit out of the MCU. They're creating a big, big event and a big thing that is going to usher Spider-Man back into the Sony Spider-Verse. So, but who knows? There's a thousand different things that could happen. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Next up, uh, John Redcorn writes, I still think Eddie slash Venom are going to get Anne back. I don't know. Like, there's a part of me, just, you know how a lot of people watch Shang-Chi and they love the fact that uh, Kate and Shang-Chi don't have a romantic relationship, right? I kind of like the fact that, you know what? Eddie doesn't get the girl back. One of the biggest movie cliches in the world is always when our hero is in love with a girl with is in love with a girl who's with somebody else that that somebody else ends up being a giant dick, right? That's usually that's the biggest movie cliche in the world. The hero of the movie loves a girl, but that girl's with somebody else, and that somebody else is a big dick. I mean, every movie and TV show does that. And so the girl ultimately finally realizes that the guy she's with is a big dick, and she goes to our hero, right? But in Venom, they don't do that. And you know what? They don't do that in Ant-Man either. Like, the whole point of Ant-Man is not Paul Rudd getting his, his ex-wife back. His ex-wife has moved on. She's married to somebody else now who also happens to be a really good guy and is a great stepfather to his daughter and all that kind of stuff. So I like that. And I don't know that he's going to get Anne back because Dr. Dan is a really good guy um, who's who's super nice. Even at the end, 
Uh, Venom, I love, first of all, can I say one of my favorite lines in Venom? One of my favorite lines in Venom is, nobody likes you, Dan. Or what was, was that the line? Nobody cares about you, Dan. I love that. I, for one, would be perfectly fine if Dan was hit by a bus and lost his legs and his teeth <laughs> or whatever the line was. I laugh my ass off at that. I laugh my ass off at that. I just think that's the funny stuff. But even at the end, Venom's like, I like you, Dan. <laughs> like, because Dan was there, right? Dan was there. He cares about Anne. He treasures Anne. He, he likes Anne. He protects Anne. He respects Anne. And I think by the end, Eddie and Venom both kind of recognize that. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 maybe, uh, but I'm, I'm thinking she doesn't get back together with him unless something horrible happens to Dan. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. Next up, Blue Jay writes, I'm very curious about Stephen Graham's character in the future. Yeah. I mean, will he be toxin? By the way, I was thrilled to see Stephen Graham in this because I'm one of my favorite films. A couple of my favorite films are Guy Ritchie's Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. I love that movie, Snatch. Whenever I say it, I don't know if you guys remember, back, back in the movie talk days, I remember I was doing one of our shows, and uh, Ashley was on the show. Ashley Mova was on the show. And I remember we, we were talking about the Guy Ritchie movie, and I just said, oh, man, I'm telling you, I love Snatch. And as soon as I said that, oh, Ashley was like, <laughs> she was She was always terrible she was also the queen of the that's what she said jokes like every other sentence with anyway uh that being said that being said um i loved that movie snatch so much and i haven't really recognized him in a lot of other stuff since then so seeing him in this movie uh it was good to see him and i i think he's probably gonna end up being toxic but we'll see all right unbeatable rights so carnage can just stick his wiener into a laptop and get law enforcement sensitive data i'm still sitting here paying for wi-fi like a dope yeah by the way can i can i just say that the interface graphics were stupid top secret blah 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 and the whole video presentation of where to find the girl that was a little weird but yes i guess the symbiotes can just whoop, tap right into uh technology like that and find exactly what they're looking for all right next up uh uh, Ganem McIntyre writes, I'm actually not a fan of the way these Venom films have turned out. I'm just happy they make people excited to go to the movies, go movie theaters. And you know what? That's the best. See, honestly, that is the best attitude to have, McIntyre. It's the best attitude to have. Like me, I hate the Star Wars prequels. I hate them. But I love that there are people who love them. I love that there are people who love them. I don't understand it. I think the movies are trash. But that's just me. If you're somebody who likes them, I just love that you're having fun at the movies. Even if it's a movie I don't like. I want everybody to love everything they watch. Even if it's something I don't like. So for you, and like I said, you're clearly one of those people that this movie is just not going to appeal to. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are movies that don't appeal to me. But you're just cheering it on, even though it's not a movie that's for you. It's the perfect attitude to have, man. I wish more film fans had that attitude. I really do. All right. Next up, Dalton Burdett writes, with Hardy seemingly being thrown into the MCU, do you think that when he gets thrown back to the Venomverse that Holland gets thrown back with him? 100%. That's what I think. Notice I'm saying that's what I think. I'm not saying that's what I know because I don't know. None of us do. 
but it is 100% what I think. I, I think you just nailed exactly. When he gets thrown back into the Venomverse, Tom Hardy's going with him. Now, whether Jacob Bartolone, who plays Ned, or whether Zendaya, who of course plays MJ, whether they're going over with them, I'm guessing they are, but I don't know that for sure. But yes, I think Dalton, that is exactly what they're setting up. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. But I'm thinking that's what they se they're setting up. We'll find out. All right. Frostbit 3 writes, I absolutely adored this movie. It was like Venom straight from Lethal Protector. I dug his silliness and how he was always talking with himself. Dude, listen, me too. Like I said, it's not going to be something that appeals to everyone, and I respect that. But for me, it, it hit me in all the right ways. I found it charming and funny and engaging. It made me like the characters, Eddie and Venom, all the more. I love the banter. I could listen to it all day. I really could. And that that's not going to be everybody, and that's perfectly fine. But for me, it totally worked, and, and I liked it a lot. All right, next up. Frostbit also writes, One small thing I didn't like was Carnage refers to himself as me, not we, in the comics, so I wish they would have stuck with that to keep them different. Yeah, but remember, comics never... I, would, I always say this to my fellow comic book movie fans. Never... Um, get married to the idea that something in the comics is what's going to be on the screen. There's going to be little differences here and there, sometimes major differences. So I wouldn't worry. That didn't bother me in the least. That's an insignificant, uh, to me, it's an insignificant small detail that doesn't really matter. So, uh, but hey, that was just me. There are, and listen, I like this movie a lot, but there are certain things in it that I didn't like either. We've already talked about a couple of them. So there's that. All right. Ryan Loner writes, I continue to love what these that uh, these movies refuse to make Dan a jerk. See, I was just talking about this. I continue to love that these movies refuse to make Dan a jerk so Anne can get back with Eddie uh, neat and tidy. Dug the whole flamethrower bit. I, I completely agree. He has no superpowers. He's not some combat artist, but it didn't matter. The woman he loved was in danger. And so he was going to go and show up in that ridiculous supernatural situation as just a guy and try to do something to help. They continue to make him a good guy. And by the way, I think most guys would be like, no, you cannot go and help your ex. He's your ex. We stay the fuck out of his life, right? But Dan, I mean, he may not like it, but he, he supports her. If you got to help Eddie, you got to help Eddie. He, does, he may not like it and he's not comfortable with it, but he's not a dick. He's not like, no, you can't go help him. I, you and me are through if you go. No, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I like you, Dan. I like him. Anyway, but it'll, but I, they might kill him. I don't know. All right. Uh, so I agree with you, Ryan. I really do. All right. Next up, where are we at now? We're at Mark Velbla, who writes, uh, I get the your kid, your choice to take kids to movies, but the crying baby was too much. Lots of kids in theaters. Some freaked out, ruined it for us. Well, kids are different than babies. Listen. The, that's a separate question, Mark Vell. That's a completely separate question. In addressing can your kid handle the scariness that is in a Venom movie is a different issue than babies in a theater. I have no problem with parents bringing their babies to theaters. It's expensive to get babysitters. And I, I think if you're an adult and you're a parent, you deserve some time out. If you need to bring your baby with you, bring your baby. All that we as a society ask is, if your baby starts to fuss a bit, like, I don't mind if a baby fusses a little bit and then they quiet down. That's fine. I get it's a baby. But if your baby starts to fuss in a movie theater and you can't immediately get the child to settle down, 
then, then, then it's your responsibility to take the baby out of the theater. It sucks for you that you've got to miss out on parts of the movie. It does. But there are 50 to 500 other people in that theater that are now having their experience ruined with the movie because of your crying baby. So I have no problems with people bringing their babies. I don't even mind a little bit of noise from the babies if they, you know, calm down then. But yeah, if you're a parent and you bring your baby and your kid starts to cry a lot, like they're being a little bit fussy, then it's just time to take them out of the theater. Uh, so that anyway, that's my uh, that's my stuff on that. All right, next up, Casey Mack writes, "Hey John, somebody probably asked this, but what was going on with Mulligan's eyes at the end? Uh, were they hinting at toxin there? I think so. I mean, that's really to me. It's the let me at least say this. It's the only explanation I can think of. The only explanation I can think of is toxin. Now they might be doing something totally different, but." It seems to me that's what they're doing, so we'll have to find out, Casey. All right, next up, John Fayant writes, one of two. It's only a nitpick, but in the comics, Carnage is the perfect uh, symbiosis. Cletus always says, I am Carnage, while Venom says, we are Venom. Uh, but I get why that they changed it for the movie. Uh, somebody else is just mentioning this exact same thing, Joe. Uh, you need Eddie slash Venom to be the perfect symbiosis to beat Carnage. Again, only a nitpick that doesn't ruin the movie in any way. And again, that's only something that people who read the comic books are going to understand. And the reality is, and I think I'm being generous here. I think maybe, maybe, and you guys tell me if you disagree with me or not, maybe one out of every 20 people, maybe one out of every 20 people who went to go see Venom this weekend have actually ever read a comic book with, with uh, Venom or Carnage in it. Maybe one out of every 20. So I think for the vast majority of the vast, vast, vast majority of the people who went to the movies, it's really not a thing that would be there. But I could see as somebody who understood and who understands um, that stuff, that it would be something that you looked for. But again, for the vast majority of the audience, it wasn't an issue uh, at all. All right. But thanks for pointing that out, Joe. And like I said, you're not the only person. Somebody else has just mentioned that earlier. Great minds. All right. Mike A. writes. Love Venom. Could have been longer. I was surprised that Doctor Strange's spell was the thing that brought him into the MCU. Well, by the way, I think that's what it is, but we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. Uh, I thought they were going to say that they were always in the MCU. See, that wouldn't have made any sense for two reasons. One, you can't live in a world and a universe where aliens are invading and there's superheroes on every corner and have zero mention of it in the previous movie. That would have made no sense. But the second thing is because Sony needs their universe separate to bring Spider-Man back into as they separate Spider-Man from the MCU. So, yeah, I, I never thought, I never once considered, I mean, anything was possible, but, um, but I never thought it was a possibility, really, that, that Venom's world was always the MCU. I never really thought that at all. All right, thanks for sending that in, Mike. Uh, next up, we have Food for Thought. Writes, uh, movie was meh. Eddie and the symbiote are supposed to be one being with two minds, Venom. Cletus and the symbiote are supposed to be one being with one mind, Carnage. Poor adaptation of beloved characters. Again, food for thought. Um, I don't know how to put this to you. This is the movie. This isn't the comic book. It's the movie. It's not the comic book. 
The movies always, all the movies, all the DC movies, all the Marvel movies, they all take massive departures from what's in the comic books. They always do. And what works in the comic book on the page, I mean, how Logan is supposed to be four foot 11. Hugh Jackman is like six, two, six, three. Poor adaptation of Wolverine. They did it differently. They did it in a way that worked for the screen. So, I mean, we can complain about the fact they didn't do this thing that they did in the comic books. 95% of the audience doesn't care. I guarantee you the movie theater you were in that you saw it with, you might be lucky to find one or two other people in that entire theater that ever read a single comic book page with carnage in it. It's not an important thing. It's not. It, it's just, it's, it's a very specific detail that if you are affluent in the comics and all that kind of stuff, you will notice and it will stand out to you. But for everybody else on the planet, it's not an important detail. And so uh, that's, uh, that's what they did. Uh, but, but hey, listen, if the movie didn't work for you, that's totally fair. There's a lot of people I think this movie won't work for for different reasons. But to not like it because, it because well, he says me instead of we. If, if that's the whole reason you don't like the movie, I don't know what to say. <laughs> now, if you didn't like it because you don't like the nature of the character and you didn't like the character dynamics and you didn't like the story, and that's, that's all understandable. That's completely understandable. But saying I didn't like this movie, why? Because he didn't, he said, you know, he said me, he didn't say me instead of we. He said us instead of I. And that's that's why you didn't like, I, I don't know. T to me, it's an inconsequent. I mean, in the comics, that's a very important distinction. For the movie, it's a honestly an irrelevant thing. It brings no relevance to the nature of it. And uh, it is what it is. All right, anyway. Next up, <clears throat> we've got, uh, was that food for thought? It was food for thought. All right, uh, Josie Reviews writes, I could have watched 90 more minutes of Venom singing, making breakfast and cheering Eddie up. Also, 90 more minutes of Venom as Mrs. Chen. By the way, can I just say I love Mrs. Chen? I was very, very happy. Um, I was very happy to see that they were bringing her back because I really did love her in the first movie. I loved her in the first movie. Like, I loved her a lot in the first movie. And so to see her... Um, come back and be and be given a, even a more prominent role this time around. First of all, I love it when she says, no, we will not eat Mrs. Chen and all of a sudden Mrs. Chen's face. But she clearly loves Venom. She loves Venom. And when he come, when he came in in the other host body, she was so caring for him. And, I, and then her face, as her face starts to Venom out, I thought that was pretty damn cool. I thought that worked a lot. So, yes, and then her whole arguing with Anne as well. Are you here to break Venom's heart too? And all that kind of stuff. I just thought that was great. I thought that was great. All right, next up. Uh, Harry Velena writes, I will be seeing this movie on Tuesday. Uh, $5 Tuesdays are too good to pass up. I hope I like it. I love the first one. Well, listen, I, I, nothing is a for sure thing, but I feel very, very confident in saying that if you like the first one, I think it's a, fairly safe bet you're going to really like the second one. Just like I think if you didn't like the first one, you're probably not going to enjoy the second one. But I think if you were one of the many people who did enjoy the first one, I think you're going to like the second one even more. 
I, I really do. So here's hoping, Harry. All right, next up, Magic K writes, is the post credit scene indicate that Spider-Man is officially returns to Sony after one more MCU movie? I mean, officially isn't until the studio says so, but that is my guess, Magic K. That is my guess. It is my guess that this whole thing with No Way Home and everything that's happening right now is all setting up to Spider-Man's departure from the MCU back to uh, back over to Sony. But you never know. I mean, there's a lot of other things that can happen, okay? That's just me speculating right now. I don't know that. I'm guessing. Just a guess. So if it doesn't happen, I, I, I can already hear the people now. Like, if it doesn't happen, people oh, Kippy, you told us this was... No, I said that's what I thought was going to happen. I'm guessing that, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of different things that can happen. My guess right now, what everything seems to me to indicate is that this is all setting up him going back uh, to the MCU. So, or going back to the Spider members. Now, uh, DMEN05 in the live chat is mentioning something that everybody misunderstands. He says Spider Man has one more appearance agreed upon with Sony. Yes, but that doesn't mean they have to do it. That doesn't mean they have to do it. Just because you have something in an agreement that you can do something, that doesn't mean you have to do that something. Remember, the guy who played Rhodey, and I always forget the actor's name. I'm doing it again. I'm forgetting his name again. Uh, the actor who played uh, Rhodey in the first Iron Man, he had a three-film deal. He had a three-film deal. Thank you, Bathazar. It's Terrence Howard. I always forget Terrence Howard's name. Anyway, he had a three-film deal. But that didn't mean Marvel had to use him. It just means if they wanted to use him, that he had to do it. And they didn't want to use him as, as the character anymore, so they went out and got Don Cheadle. Even though Terrence Howard is great, there's a, there's a big drama there, but we won't go into that now. Uh, Terrence, Terrence Howard is great, but... So, yes, there is, in the deal, another appearance of Spider-Man in another movie, but that doesn't mean the MCU has to use it. If they came up with an idea and they think this is a clean exit, so yeah, maybe Spider-Man No Way Home is the last time we see Spider-Man. And maybe it's not. Maybe we do see him pop up in one more film. But just because uh, there is a clause in the agreement that says they can do something, that doesn't mean they will do something. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, what that's about. Uh, by the way, Nikita in the live chat is saying, John, it's just one month until Eternals. When is your press screening? Woo, I got all excited today because today I got my official invitation to not a press screening, but to the world premiere. And I, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was surprised that I got an invitation to the world premiere of Shang-Chi. And I am even more surprised that I got an invitation to the world premiere of Eternals because listen, I have been bagging on and straight up shit talking the CEO of Disney, Bob Chape. If you guys watch my show, you guys know I have been very, very hard on the current CEO of Disney, Bob Chapek. I think that's putting it lightly, lightly. If you guys have been watching my show, you know I'm putting it lightly. I have not been speaking in the most glowing of terms about the CEO of Disney, uh, Bob Chapek. So, when I got the invitation to go to the world premiere of Shang-Chi, I was very grateful, but I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was really surprised. I was really surprised. 
And since then, I have only kind of and listen. I, I'm not just I'm not a Bob Chapek hater. I'm just a commentator. I comment and give my honest opinion and my analysis of what is happening and what we see. And everything I've seen regarding Bob Chapek's leadership of Disney has been pretty damn abysmal. And I don't hate Disney, but I call things as I see them. I might be right. I might be wrong, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to call it as I see it. And what I see is a CEO at Disney who does not know what he's doing so far, who has made some pretty brutal mistakes so far that I don't personally have a lot, have a lot of faith in or believe in so far that can all change. So I've been, I've been pretty brutal when it comes to Bob Chapek. So yeah, I, got, I was a little surprised, but I did. I got my invitation. Uh, what am I seeing it? I'm seeing it in two weeks. Uh, I'm literally seeing it two weeks from today. I'm seeing it on Monday, the 18th, October 18th. That's when I'm going to go see Eternals. That's when the world premiere is. Um, I'm so excited for this movie. I'm so excited for this movie. I think it's going to be one of the best of the year. You've got the reigning and defending director of the year and Chloe Zhao directing it. Um, can't wait to see it. And I can't wait to do my, uh, uh, can't wait to do my uh, out, out of the theater quick, re, re, uh, quick uh, reaction to it when it's done. Anyway, let's get back over to Venom, shall we? All right, next up. We got Steve, uh, Stephen Wolf who writes, Hey, John, hope you're doing well. I am doing well, thank you. I enjoyed the dynamic between Venom and Eddie. However, I felt like there was a lot there, plot a lot there, plot details from the first movie that never really expounded on, not really important to. Uh, case in point, they never really explained how Venom is living in Eddie's body without killing him. When in the first movie, Dr. Dan is telling Eddie that the symbiote is killing him. Thanks, John. Um... how did they resolve? It wasn't even something that was on. I know they resolved that. I think they resolved it in the first movie. Like if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that issue in particular was resolved in the first film. So not needed to go on the second one. Eddie and him are a match. And I th remember the doctor talking to him doesn't have a full understanding of how it all works. Right? So, yeah, I, so that to me was an issue. Other than that, I never felt like there was any hanging issues that needed to be addressed. But that was just me. That was just me, Stephen. If you notice those things and you got a good eye, man, then you were able to pick that stuff out. That to me was something that totally flew under the radar, myself personally. All right. Um, you know what, guys? Will you give me one minute? Just, uh, literally, I, I we're, this isn't our official first break. We're going to take a break in about a half hour. But I need to take just a minute because... I've got, I need to pour another can of, uh, of, uh, Zevia. Zevia, sponsor me, you insufferably cheap sons of bitches. Uh, I need to pour myself another can of this, but I just realized I need another ice cube. So give me one minute. Just give me a minute. Quit being so impatient. Give me a minute, will ya? Give me a minute, uh, to just run to the, my freezer and grab myself an ice cube and pour this delicious can of Zevia Cola, produced by some really cheap bastards uh, who will not sponsor this show. Uh, just, just give me a minute, and I will be right back, okay? Uh, I'll see you guys in just a second.
Okay, and we are back. Sorry, that wasn't our first official break. That was just me going to get uh, going to get an ice cube. Okay, so okay, let's continue now. We got we've got a break coming up in a, in a few. We'll take about a ten minute break here in a bit. We've been going for an hour and a half already. Uh, okay, let's keep moving here. That was that was Stephen. Thanks a lot for that again, Stephen. Uh, Connor writes. Hey, John, so with Venom in the MCU for now, when do you think he will show up next? And how long do you think he stays before he heads back at all? I think No Way Home is it. I don't know that. That, That's just my guess right now. That's just my guess. But I think No Way Home is it. I think uh, No Way Home, we get, I think Tom Hardy's going to be in No Way Home. And I think that's it. I think No Way Home ends with with Venom going back to the Spider-Verse, going back to the Sony-Verse. And I think it ends with Tom Holland going back to the Sony-Verse too. Uh, Don't know. I don't know. Just my guess. But we'll see. We'll see. All right, next up. Connor also writes, also, since it is now confirmed Venom wasn't in the same universe as the MCU to start with, is this evidence Morbius isn't in the MCU continuity either? Um, well, I mean, it's hard to say because we haven't seen Morbius yet. We haven't seen Morbius yet. So I'm going to guess yes. I think Morbius is not in the MCU yet. But I mean, again, we haven't seen Morbius, so it's impossible to say. But I tend to think that, Connor. I, I might change my mind, but I tend to think that a little bit. All right. Worms of Saturn writes. Um... Where are we? Uh, We are at Carnage. uh, Death to you, Father. Priest freaks out. Not you, Father. You, Father. Theater was packed. Had the good kind of rowdy crowd. I loved it. Yeah, listen, I got to admit, too. I didn't think that joke was the best joke in the world. But both times I saw it uh, with the audience, um, both times I saw it with with an audience, the audience loved it. Like the audience was very, very responded to that line, like a lot. I thought it was the joke was okay, but it seemed like the audiences I saw with responded to it a lot better than I did. So it was cute. All right, next up, Leo Liang writes. Um, let's see. Thought Shriek was going to be the yellow female symbiote, but Wiki tells me that scream feels like a missed opportunity for more symbiote fights. But does everything? Okay, but here's the thing though: does everything have to be symbiotes stuff? There's this everything have to be symbiote stuff. I, I don't think we needed more. Like we already had a bunch of symbiotes in the first movie. Uh, Carnage is another symbiote in the second movie. Do, do we really need to pack in more symbiotes? And I think the answer to that is no. So I really liked the fact that they used Shriek. I like the fact that they gave uh, Cletus Cassidy, like even the most evil of person will have the one thing that's kind of to them a good thing in their life. The one bright light. You know, I like that backstory. That even in the midst of the mayhem and the chaos, he had one thing that he relied on. That was Shriek. And I kind of like the way they did that. So, no, I don't think it was a missed opportunity that they didn't do yet another symbiote. I think it was okay, personally. But that's just my take on it, Leo. Thanks for writing in yours. All right. Next up, uh, John Redcorn writes, Yo, that Carnage hot toy is fire. Had to pre-order. I haven't seen the hot toy yet myself, but I can imagine. The design of Carnage in this movie was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. So um, I just can imagine that the hot toy is going to be probably one of the $350 hot toys or something like that, but I'm sure it probably looks amazing. I'm going to have to go and look for it, John. All right, Fangblaze7 writes, 
Uh, man, I love this movie. It was like Shang-Chi in the way that every scene was enjoyable. It was funny as heck, and the action was awesome. I, again, I, I was delighted by the movie. I didn't like it as much as Shang-Chi, but... It, it's just like you said to me, I had a smile on my face with almost every single scene. I enjoyed it immensely. I was charmed by it. I thought the action was fantastic. Um, yeah, for me, it's a winner. I, I really enjoyed it, Fang Blaze. I'm, I'm glad you did too. All right, next up. Ricky Bobby writes, I really love this movie. It's my second favorite movie of the year so far behind the Snyder Cut and oh my God, that end credit scene. Yeah, the end credit scene. Dudes, listen. It's This is a good reminder that most people, most people don't watch the John Campia show. I know that's shocking and indescribable. The whole population should be watching the John Campia show. But uh, not everybody reads Cinema Blend or Coming Soon or, or you know watches the John Campia show or other channels like it. Because when the first public screening I was in, the second time I saw Venom was at a public screening. Anne and I went opening night. And when the post credit scene came on, because like everybody who reads Deadline and who watches the John Campia show or who reads, you know, uh, any of the big movie websites, they all probably knew about something big coming in the post credit scene, probably even read spoilers about what it was. But this is a great reminder that we are in the tiny minority. We do not represent the majority of movie-going fans. We represent those of us who watch these shows and read those websites. We are in the minority. Because that when I went to that first public screening with Anne, Anne and Anne didn't know what happened in the post credit scene either. And it, that post credit scene came up. When the TV came on and he saw Peter Parker on the screen... My audience that I was with was shocked. Shocked. I heard more gasping, like, no way, and people freaking out. I mean, it was just a great example that most people, most moviegoers do not yet know the glory of the John Campia show or the glory of being really integrated into the online film fan community, right? We are still a small part of the overall movie-going audience. and uh, But it was really cool to see. It was really cool to see that the, I mean, you know, Worms of Saturn saying in the live chat, my audience went crazy. It's true. People were going nuts when I was in that theater. They went absolutely crazy. And you could tell they were legitimately surprised. They were legitimately shocked and surprised. So uh, it was it was a good reminder of that stuff, too. It was a good reminder of that. Okay, next up. Ricky Bobby also writes, I thought Woody Harrelson killed it as Carnage. So did I. And I thought that he was portrayed exactly like the comics. I was saying that earlier myself, Ricky Bobby. Watching his portrayal as Cletus Cassidy felt like the Cletus Cassidy from the comic book page coming to life. It, it I mean, movies take a lot of liberties from the comics. But that was one thing that they really nailed was the personality of Cletus Cassidy. I, I thought Woody Harrelson did a great job with that. And, of course, a lot of credit to Andy Serkis as well for directing it that way. Ricky Bobby also writes, I really love the Eminem song at the end. In my opinion, it's a top five Eminem song for me. I like the Eminem song at the end credits. I actually prefer the one in the first movie a little bit better. But I agree. I thought it was a really good song. I do. All right. 
Uh, let's see. Ricky also writes, over under 25% that Venom would get his white spider symbi- uh, symbol in No Way Home. Ooh, I'll go over 25%. I think once Venom meets and decides that he likes Peter Parker and Spider-Man, I think that's when you'll see, and it'll be a big moment in the movie. It'll be a big moment. Now, whether it happens in No Way Home or another movie, I'm not sure. But whenever it happens, the, when he decides that he likes Spider-Man, it'll be a big moment, whatever movie that is, as he's Venom, that, that the, the spider symbol appears on his chest. I think that'll happen, and I think it'll be a big moment where everybody who knows the comics will go, yeah, but you know what the funny thing is? Most people in the world now know Venom without the Spider-Man symbol because they never read the comics. So now when most people in the world think of Venom, they don't think of the Spider-Man logo on his chest. They don't think of him like that. They think of him with just black. So it'll be a big moment for some people, though, man. It'll be a big, big moment for some people. All right, next up. Ricky also writes, one last thing. I have a theory that the black suit that's shown in No Way Home marketing might be the symbiote attached to Peter. What do you think? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's a possibility. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lean to, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but it is a possibility. It, it is absolutely a possibility. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. Uh, Mike Thomas writes, uh, love that the end credit scene answers some questions, but raises at the same time. Uh, is Venom in the MCU? Well, he is momentarily. He's 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 been teleported into the MCU now. As of right now, yes, but for how long? I think for a very short period of time. We've talked about that a lot today. I believe all this, and I've been saying this for years. I've been, From the moment they extended the deal, I said that my belief is they've extended the deal to build up to a proper exit for Spider-Man out of the MCU. I've been saying that for years. And now that we're actually here, it seems, seems to me that that's clearly what they're doing. This is all a big setup for Spider-Man's exit out of the MCU. So I do not expect that Venom or Spider-Man are going to be in the MCU much longer. Never know. A lot of different things can happen. I could totally be off on that. I'm not staking my life on that. I'm just saying that's, this is kind of what I thought for years was what they were going to do. And that's kind of what it seems they're doing. All right. Mike Thomas also writes, are the two universes permanently merged? No. And by the way, it never, the, the, the end credit scene did not at all suggest that the universes merged. All it suggested was that Venom was taken from one universe into another. It never said the universes merged. Anyway, is this Spidey's exit door from the MCU? I believe so, yes. Will we see this, some Sony characters in Doctor Strange too? Listen, at this point, I'm not going to be surprised at all to see, uh, to see Morbius. I'm not going to be surprised at all to see Morbius in there. I don't know that. I haven't seen the movie Morbius. I, don't, I haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home yet. I, so anything could happen. I don't know. But I'm just saying at this point, I would not be surprised if that happens. That's all I'm saying. Would not be surprised uh, uh, if that happens. Uh, okay, next up. Um, Mike Thomas writes, or did I get the last one? Yes. Mike Thomas writes, could we get Blade versus Morbius? I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, that seems like a no-brainer to do, but honestly, I seriously doubt it. I mean, they, they've, they've only now started writing. Remember we did a story recently where they just brought in a new writer for, for Blade? So, like, we are nowhere near them even starting production for Blade. 
And by the time they have Blade on the screen, it seems like to me Morbius and Venom and Spider-Man will be long gone out of the MCU by the time Blade ever comes to the screen. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, but it seems unlikely. It just doesn't seem practical at this point for that to happen. But you never know. Anything's possible. All right. Uh, next up, Stephen Wolf writes, one of two. Hey, John, wanted to know if you kept hearing the Bane's voice from Venom speaking. I couldn't get it out of my head, especially by the nightclub scene. Uh, I know it's the same actor, but maybe they could have modified it a bit. I didn't hear it at all. I didn't hear it at all. Yes, he's talking like, but listen, there is a, the, the, the voices of Bane and Venom are very different voices. Bane has a definite accent to his voice. You believe that gives you power over me? It's very different from, I like you, Dan. I, so, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you, Stephen, but no, I, I didn't hear any similarities at all between the two voices. That's just me. If you did, cool. I'm just saying for me, I didn't. Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, next up, Ray Studios writes, uh, oh no. Yeah, there it is. Ray studios rights. I think venom will be in no way home. Hashtag multiverse. It's, I mean, that's what it seems to suggest. I mean, we don't know for sure, but that seems to be what's implied in the, in the post-credit scene. Ray also writes, do you think venom will now get the spider symbol at some point? Yes. How and where and why? I think he meets Peter. I think they become friends. I think he starts to admire him. And so he takes on that symbol, but I mean, we don't know for sure, but that is my guess. Uh, how you think, I don't know what V E means. We'll get, back to their universe. Oh, how do we think Venom will get back to the universe? No idea. Not a single clue. Whatever resolves Spider-Man No Way Home will be what it is, but a Doctor Strange spell? Don't know. I mean, again, at this point, it would all just be pure, pure, pure speculation. I have to see something first to know that. All right. Luke uh, uh, Sayakata writes, Hey, John, big fan. Thank you so much, Luke. Uh, do you think it could be that Venom's entering the MCU and Spider-Man is staying in the MCU given the med credit scene? Nope, not at all. There's simply no reason for, for Sony to do that. Sony has no motivation, no nothing to gain from that. I think it's actually the opposite, and I've said that a few times here today. I think it's the actual opposite. I think this is all setting up Spider-Man's exit out of the MCU. I do not think this paves the way for everything staying in the MCU. I think it's the complete opposite. Now, that's possible. It's possible. But again, I have thought for years that they just extended the deal in the first place to give Spider-Man a proper exit out of the MCU. And all of this seems to be setting that up. After all, it is called No Way Home. Uh, so, no, I don't believe this is uh, setting up a long-term stay in the MCU. I think it's the exact opposite. I think this is setting up Spider-Man's exit out of the MCU. So uh, that's my guess at any rate. All right. Uh, next up. Thanks for writing in, Luke. Next up. Uh, J. Jav Dav writes, two things. I wonder what Venom was going to show Eddie in the post credit scene and how old is Venom in, in, uh, in his species? Teenager? Example, Baby Yoda is 50. Yeah, I don't know. He goes... Your tiny human brain could not even begin to comprehend even the tiniest bit of knowledge of the universe. And he was about to show him something. And then, boom, you know, what I assume is a Doctor Strange spell sucks Venom into the MCU. I don't know what he was going to show. I don't think we as the audience would have seen it anyway, but it does leave that little door. It was like, what was he going to show him? I think that's interesting. All right. Uh, Stephen Wolf writes, 
John, do you think that Kevin Feige gives producer notes on Sony Spider-Man villain movies? I get the feeling that he was hands off this. Um, yes, I do think he gives notes. Actually, if you listen to the head of Sony Studios, he talks a lot about how brilliant Kevin Feige is and they work with him. Um, they definitely get notes. Amy Pascal has pointed that out himself. Whereas Amy Pascal, by the way, gives a lot of notes on the Spider-Man movies in the MCU. I believe absolutely they consult. Kevin Feige has consulted on Venom and Venom 2 and Morbius and all that kind of He's consulted on those for sure. He's not in the director's chair. He's not on set every day. They're not, he's not in control of them. He doesn't control those movies. But from everything that I've heard from the head of Sony Pictures and from Amy Pascal herself, yes, he's, I believe he's absolutely consulted on these. I think he absolutely is. All right, next up. Um, John Redcorn writes, oh, and this is our final question before we take our break, guys. We've been going over two hours. We've been doing, uh, sorry, almost two hours, I should say. We're, we're closing in on two hours here. So we're going to take our first break here in a minute. But John Redcorn writes, if Venom is in the MCU, my question is, who's in charge creatively with the character? I don't think Sony wants to give up control of Venom. Do you really think Feige would let them do whatever in the MCU? Okay, well, this is an important thing to understand. It's the same issue with Spider-Man himself. Kevin Feige is in control. In other words, Kevin Feige's at the steering wheel. But anything they want to do with Spider-Man in the MCU, Sony and Amy Pascal have to approve. And, and I don't know why there are some people that still try to argue me about it. They've said it. This, this is the way it is. Spider-Man is Sony's character. All right? So, yes, they let the MCU use them. And Kevin Feige is in creative control of those movies, but everything they want to do with Spider-Man in the MCU has to be approved by Sony. Sony gets not just to give notes, they get to veto anything that they want to veto because it's their character, right? So Kevin Feige is in control, but whatever he decides he wants to do, Sony has to sign off on it. And the same thing is going to happen if Venom appears in No Way Home. That he's going to do a bunch of stuff with Spider-Man and Venom in it, if Venom is in it, which I'm guessing he's going to be, but we don't know. But if he is, it'll be the same thing. Kevin Feige is going to make the movie he wants to make with director John Watts. They're going to make the movie. But you know that Sony gets the script, and Sony gets to call them and say, yeah, that scene where you had Venom get beat up by a little girl a little schoolgirl on the street. Yeah, no, you can't do that. You you can't diminish our character like that. Not that Kevin Feige was going to do that anyway, but you get the gist, right? So they get to have they get to have veto power over a lot of things, but the creative decisions are made by Kevin Feige and John Watts is the director. Uh, they get to do this. So I they, it'll be the same thing before they exit out too if Venom's there. So <clears throat> Okay, guys. Um, we are now going to take a break. We're going to take about 10 minutes here to take a break. Give me a chance to stretch my legs, go refill my drink yet again. Uh, sit down for a minute, rest the old vocal cords for a few minutes. But I'm also going to let you know, for those of you watching live, I am about to turn off the Super Chat feature. So if you do have a comment, observation, or question that you want to fire in, do it in the next one minute, because about a minute, once we go after we go on break, I am going to be turning off the super chat feature, and we're just going to take all the remaining questions that have been sent in already. So this is your chance, okay? So 
You guys, go grab a bite to eat. Talk amongst yourselves. Get up and stretch your legs yourselves. We'll be back and give me about uh, seven to ten minutes. Take a little bit of a break. We will be back. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you in just a little bit. This is, of course, our open spoiler discussion of Venom. Let there be carnage. See you guys in a few minutes.
Okay, everybody, and we are back. Thank you so much for your patience and indulgence as I took a little bit of a break there. And now let's get back to it, shall we? We're going to pick things up here with NR99, who writes, one of three. While it has always been expected, I've never been fond of the Venom merging into the MCU idea. Personally, I've always felt that it would uh, make more sense for this Venom to be connected to Andrew's universe. It fits the tone and feel of that universe better than being connected to the MCU. As this is the route they're going towards, I really hope it pays off and I'm proven wrong. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, but again, I, I don't disagree with you. Like, the Venom doesn't really feel like a good fit for the MCU per se, but this is a temporary measure. This is a temporary measure. This is all a temporary thing to tell a specific story that they're going to use to bring Spider-Man out of the MCU. At least that's what I'm guessing. Just a guess. That is my guessing. So yeah, I, th I think that'll be fine. Plus you knew they were never going to restore Andrew's universe, not after the train wreck of the amazing Spider-Man two. That's not what they were going to do. So I think they're going to tell a really good story. I think they're going to tell a really good story that will make it feel like Spider-Man's exit out of the MCU is going to be great. It's going to set up the Spider-Verse and the Sony universe really great. I think we're getting a lot of really cool stuff coming up. I think we're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming up. Anyway, thanks for sending that in at 99. I generally agree with you. It, it always seemed like a weird fit, but again, I don't think he's coming over permanently. All right, next up, Javier Rodriguez writes, Hey, John, I was happy with this movie, kind of disappointed with the credit scene. Really? That's interesting. Most people writing in are like thrilled with the credit scene. Anyway, I'm happy Venom is going to meet Spider-Man, but I was okay with him being the only hero in that world. Hope it's only temporary. I, I mean, I agree. It is going to be temporary. But remember, they're already alluding to that in Venom's universe, there are mutants. I mean, that was set up at, in the beginning of the movie. Shriek is a mutant. She refers to her mutation, and her mutation is only getting stronger, right? So how far they're going to go with that, we'll say it. And uh, Cracker Mayoface saying Venom is 100% going to stay in the MCU calling it. Well, you can, you can think that all you want, but there's no reason in the world why Sony would do that. Sony is trying to build their own cinematic universe. And for the most part, it's really being built around Venom. So there is zero logic. There's just no logic to thinking that Venom was going to stay in the MCU. There's no logic to it whatsoever. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, okay, next up. Uh, where are were we? Okay. Okay, yeah, here we go. Epic Dub Time 23 writes, uh, hey, John, I thought Venom 2 was entertaining, but overall underwhelming. Carnage, while an improvement over Riot, was a big letdown. Oh, wow. I, I, I disagree, but that's the subjectivity of movies, my friend. Favorite part was the post-credit scene. I think my... I, I, listen, I really love the post-credit scene. I do. But I had several movements, moments that I liked even more. Uh, the whole confrontation between Venom and Carnage, I thought, was great. The Mrs. Chen scene with Mrs. the Venom Mrs. Chen talking to Anne was great i love the the animated backstory of cletus i thought that was great i had a lot of stuff i thought carnage was great but hey that's why all film is subjective epic dub time all movies hit us all in different ways if it didn't work as much for you as it did for me so be it i'm sure there's a lot of movies that worked more for you than they did for me so that's the beauty of it my man that's the beauty of it all right next up uh alex perez writes it was awful. I fell asleep in some parts. The end credit scene was the only redeemable thing. You were right. That review embargo was a red flag. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I Again, for me, Alex, I respectfully disagree. I found the movie to be joyously entertaining. I was smiling from ear to ear. 
I had a good time throughout. But again, the very nature of the movie is in such a way that it's not going to be for everybody. And it didn't work for you. And I respect that. There are a lot of movies that don't work for me that work for other people. And this is a movie that really worked well for me and clearly a lot of other people. And it didn't work for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. But turns out the reason I talked to somebody from Sony. And it turns out that their logic at any rate was when you look back at the first movie, the critic reviews were very, very bad. Like it had a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. But the audiences really enjoyed it. It had like an 80% audience rating. So they felt that for this movie, since they, they know the audiences really like their movie, but it wasn't for the critics, they felt like they needed to hold off on the reviews this time around. The funny thing is that the reviews this time around are twice as good as they were the first time. Like it literally doubled. Like the last I looked, it's at 50, like the first movie had a 30% critic rating around tomatoes. This one has almost 60. So it's, it's double as good. And the audience rating is higher, but they're saying that the official reason they held it off was because they felt like, okay, so they know the critics don't really like this movie. So instead of having the reviews, we know the audiences do. So they didn't want it to be negatively impacted. Still though, not a good move. I, even if the critics aren't going to like your movie, you should still lift the review embargo earlier. I mean, that's how I feel at any rate. Cause just trust the audience, man. And, and as it turns out, the majority of the critics did like this movie. So yeah. Uh, anyway, I get it though. I get it. All right. Next up. Uh, Angel, uh, Ahuatsi writes, imagining, uh, the prison escape scene R rated. It would have been the exact same scene, except there would have been blood on the walls. That's the thing. It would have been the exact same scene, except for when he smashed people in the walls, there would be blood splatter. And that's really the only difference. So I don't, I, it didn't really make any difference to me. That's just me though. Out of time rights. I think people are getting the credit scene wrong. Everyone thinks Dr. Strange spell sent Venom to the MCU, but the TV report was on Peter's identity, but Peter met Dr. Strange sometimes later. As I was pointing out earlier out of time, when you look at a movie like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, when you're pulling people from different universes, it doesn't mean they have to show up at the same time. For example, in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, when the Peter Parker we know shows up in, even though the event, the, the tear happened at the exact, at, at, in one moment, our Peter Parker was drawn into Miles's universe at one particular point in time, but Gwen Stacy was pulled in to a different point in time, into two weeks earlier, right? So just because that's when Eddie showed up, that doesn't mean he showed up at the same time that Dr. Strange cast the spell. He could cast the spell and Eddie could have showed up the day before, or he could have cast the spell and Eddie could have showed up five years earlier. I, and that's why I'm saying I'm kind of suspecting that Doc Ock has probably been in the world for years, for years by the time Dr. Strange cast the spell and as a result of Dr. Strange casting the spell, right? It's a, I've been here for three years. How did you get here? I got here because of a spell you're going to cast three days from now. In three days, you're going to cast a spell. And that spell is what brought me in. And I arrived in your timeline three years ago, right? 
Now, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but I'm saying if you look at a way they've handled it before, it totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, next up. Uh, Devin Lida writes, I had a conversation with a guy at my church before the pandemic about how Spider-Man was going to be in Venom. Have Tom Holland in Venom too. I spoke that into existence. It was an end credit spot. Well, I mean, hey, there were a lot of people guessing stuff like that, Devin. You were clearly one of them as well. I don't know if you spoke it into existence uh, because, I mean, obviously it was already decided and it was already shot by the time you had that conversation. Remember that. This movie finished shooting a long time ago. It's not like they just made this movie recently. So by the time you had that conversation, the movie was already shot. But you were right. He was there. You were absolutely right. All right, next up. Uh, James Mutombo writes, Circus told the Hollywood Reporter that the mid-credits scene was talked about even before he joined the project in 2019. Feige has to be involved in Sony's Marvel films. Well, yeah, listen, I, again, I told you guys, when you go back to 2018, I believe it was 2018 was the last D23. Correct? It might have been 2017. If you guys know for sure in the live chat, throw it in there, but I believe the last D23 was 2018. And I was there. And it was in 2018 that, you know, they Marvel and Sony was ending their deal. They couldn't come to an agreement, and they ended their deal. A few days later, uh, a few days later, Marvel and DC, or Marvel and DC, Marvel and Sony announced they've re-upped the deal for X num number of new more films and whatever. And, and I said at that time, I bet it's to set up a proper exit for Spider-Man out of the MCU. I bet it's to set up a proper exit out of the MCU. So, um... Yeah. So yeah, that was all in place. That was a decision that was made by the time they decided to extend that deal. So it would have been a decision in place before Andy Serkis ever came on board. And yes, like I said, Kevin Feige has absolutely been a consultant on these films. He's not in charge of them, but he's absolutely consults on these. That, that part they've made very clear before. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. Uh, where is it? There it is. Uh, is Melvin Vargas writes, uh, John, I'm mad. Where have you been? Just kidding. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, obviously there was no John Campus show today because I mentioned people I was going to be playing in the World Series or I was going to be in Vegas for the World Series of Poker until Monday. So I only came back today. That's why there was no John Campus show today. Sorry, that is Melvin. All right, next up. Uh, we got uh, Ethan T. writes, uh, anyone else feel like Eddie lost, got lost in the film? Oh, I certainly didn't think so. I, I mean... I thought this was a lot of Eddie. So I don't know. That's just me. But hey, you had your feelings of it. That's a, I, I respect that. All right. Ahmed Helfwai uh, writes, uh, this movie was amazing in my opinion. I think the script was well done and the dynamics of the cast was outstanding. Thanks, John. And sending love from Toronto, my home area there, Toronto. Those are my stomping grounds. Keep up the filthy. Thank you so much for that, Ahmed. I appreciate that. And I agree. I thought the movie was great fun. I thought it was great fun. It was a good time. Um, I, it was, it was, um, it was joyous. 
it was smile inducing. It was laughter inducing. It was entertaining, uh, at least for me, from my point of view. So yes, I absolutely had a good time uh, with this as well. All right, next up, we've got uh, Brendan Millspa writes, PG-13 Venom feels neutered. I disagree. I mean, I don't get, don't get me wrong. It's violent, but even then I don't feel it's pushed as far as it could be. Uh, I don't blood, I don't blood would death help. I don't blood would death help. It'd probably make these movies even more fun. Eh, I disagree. Uh, having blood splatter does not make a scene better or worse. If it fits, it fits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I So I get it. There's some people saying, and by the way, the comic books are all PG-13. The comic books are all PG-13. It's the same discussion. We have. I remember John Schnepp, back when we were talking, back obviously years ago, we were talking about Venom and should they, or talking about Batman and should there be an R-rated Batman and stuff like that. And the one point that John Schnepp always brought up is like, if you guys at all know the comic books, the comic books are all PG-13. Why would you want uh, an R-rated version of this? And he pointed out Venom as well. It's like, like Venom in the comic books is PG-13. So, yeah, so anyway, that being said, um, I didn't at all feel like it was neutered in the least. Carnage showed up in this movie. The very first thing he does is murder about 20 people. Like the moment Carnage arrives on screen, he murdered like 20 people. And I, I just, I don't know, but like, it's all subjective. I just, I don't understand the rationale just because I don't understand. It doesn't mean I don't respect it. I, I can respect things. I don't understand. Like you like eating ketchup on eggs. All right. I can respect that. I think you're nuts. I think you're a awful human being, <laughs> but Hey, I can respect it. Right. I don't get this idea that when he smashed a guard to death against a wall, if a blood stain had been on the wall, that would have made the movie better. I don't personally get that. And I'm somebody who loves my violence and gore in my movies. I love violence and gore in movies. I totally do. And I love the filthy. I, I love the filthy in all of its wonderful shapes and sizes. But I, I, I can respect that you feel that way. I'm just saying I don't, I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. That the idea that when he bludgeoned the one guard to death against the wall, Suddenly the scene's better if when he fell from the wall, there would have been a blood splatter there. That would have made the scene better. I don't get that. I, I don't understand that rationale. But again, just because I don't get it, just like a lot of people don't get why I love Armageddon as much as I do, the, the Bruce Willis movie, people just don't get it. It's like, okay, Campy, you love it. That's good for you. Uh, I respect that you like it, but I, I mean, a lot of people do that. I'll just say I... I respect that there's some of you guys that feel like blood splatter would have made the movie better. I, I don't get it. I disagree completely. I respect that you have a different opinion than me, so that's all good. All right, next up. Uh, let's see. Randy uh, Swimatsu writes, uh, was, one movie, was one movie a waste of Carnage? Not at all. I thought Carnage was great in this. I thought Carnage was great. And by the way, uh, this could happen again. Carnage came from Venom. He ended up getting consumed by Venom. They could very easily bring him back again through another mechanism like that. But honestly, if he ended up being a one and done, that's fine. Just like I felt like in the in Batman Returns, you know, having Liam Neeson's character just suddenly uh, gone, like Rajal Ghoul, 
one movie gone, but it was narratively done very well. And so we didn't complain. Um, so Carnage, hey, if it's in a good movie, and I thought this movie's pretty damn good, perfect. But again, even the way they killed Carnage was Venom consuming him. So that could make it very easy for him to return if they ever wanted to do that again. All right, next up, uh, Shiv Patel writes, my first time supporting the channel, loving. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Patel. I appreciate that very much. And thanks for being here, dude. I appreciate that, man. All right, My Comic Planet writes, one of two. I wish the movie had a more darker, serious tone. Instead, we got stupid buddy comedy with constant cringy jokes that ruined the movie for me. Um, uh, just imagine if this movie were in the hands of Matt Reeves, that dark and R-rated. I think that would have been epic, just my humble opinion. Okay, so here's the thing, my comic planet. This is the exact reason why I was saying this movie is not for everyone. But you've got to understand and appreciate this. There are a lot of people who love this movie. I said, right now it's got an 85% audience rating, right? And most people I talk to adore the film. Doesn't mean it's for everybody. It's not. But you got to keep this one thing in mind. All the stuff that didn't work for you is the reason it worked for a lot of other people. Like the buddy cop kind of mentality, the odd couple kind of mentality, the humorous type of mentality, those things that made the movie not work for you are the exact reason why they worked for so many people, including my wife and including me. They found it charming and delightful and entertaining and all that kind of stuff. If they had made the movie you're describing, it would have alienated a lot of people. It would have turned a lot of people off. It would have made a lot of other people very happy and a lot of other people would have really liked it. But I think a lot of the audience that really were gra that gravitated and were attracted to this movie and liked the first one and liked this one, the things that you didn't like are the very reason that they liked it. I'm not saying you need to agree, but I'm just saying it's something you need to keep in mind and understand. And maybe if they had done it the way you wanted it, it may not have been as successful. I mean, the first Venom movie with everybody screaming was going to fail without Spider-Man in it. Can't possibly work, everybody said. That movie made over $800 million at the box office. With an 80-plus audience rating. With an 80-plus audience rating. And this one just broke the COVID era record for opening weekend, beating out two MCU movies and the Suicide Squad. And by the way, let's talk about the Suicide Squad for a second. Suicide Squad was rated R. Suicide Squad had, had all the, the gory, bloody details, and I loved it. I mean, I love that movie. I do. I love all the gore in it. I love everything. But it it was it did a lot of the stuff that a lot of people are saying, I wish it did. And what happened to that movie? It completely flopped. It completely flopped, even though I think the movie's amazing and awesome and the releasing on HBO didn't do it any favors, but the movie flopped. Nobody was interested in it. Venom, huge success. Huge success. I mean, a bigger success than two MCU movies that have come out in the same era. That's crazy. So all I'm saying is all film is subjective and Venom is definitely not going to work for everybody, either Venom 1 or Venom 2. And I respect if this one didn't work for you, but I'm just saying that 
that as a as a movie fan yourself, it's cool to kind of wish they did a movie another way, as long as you also acknowledge and understand that had they done it the way you wanted them to do it, the movies may have ended up being less successful and less people may have enjoyed it. That doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean you're right. I'm just saying you got to recognize that if we had done it, if they did it this way, it's this level of success and had these people loving it. And if they did it another way, it would have a different level of success and different people loving it. So that's all I'm saying. You just got to be aware of that, right? Just as I'm aware that this movie isn't for everybody, you got to be aware that if they did it the way you wanted them to do it, or if they made it hard R, they did it more dark and gritty and serious, it may not have had as many fans and people may not have liked it as much and not been as entertained by it. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just saying it's something all of us as film fans have to keep in mind. All right. Uh, next up, we've got, uh, who do we got? We got Scott Brooks who writes, the same dynamic between Eddie and Venom continued here for the first half of the movie was a waste. Carnage should have been given so much more time. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I disagree. I thought Carnage got the screen time he needed to have. Ultimately, Venom is about Venom. Venom isn't about whoever the, the villain is of that particular movie. Venom is about Venom. And Carnage was our villain this time around, and I thought he was great, but I didn't think we needed to see more time of Carnage just randomly killing people for no narrative reason. Like, And I guess that's the thing to me. It's one of the reasons why I really liked... Um, one of the reasons that I really liked the 90-minute runtime of this movie was that it had no needless scene even though i don't like the rave scene at all it was a required scene you needed it to understand venom better i just wish there was a different way they could have done that but still there was no needless scene from a narrative purpose there was no need to have more carnage on screen just for the sake of having him on screen right it's like okay now we we saw venom come out and we saw him murder like 20 people in the prison great well, okay, what were we going to do with more Carnage scenes? Now show Carnage going to a mall and killing 50 people at the mall. Well, what does that accomplish narratively that we don't already know? I mean, we're seeing Vintage, uh, Carnage kill a lot of people, and there was to be a terrific fight between Carnage and Venom. So, I don't know. I don't know that the movie would have benefited from more carnage scenes unless there was a narrative purpose for it and i can't think of a narrative purpose here's one scene tell me what you guys think of this the one thing that the one th extra scene they could have put in this movie i think was would be a conversation between carnage and cletus much like the way venom and and, and eddie speak back and forth I think what they could have done was had one more scene in this movie after Carnage has come out and they've escaped out of the prison where Carnage and Cletus talk about their similarities and where in that conversation, Cletus explains his natural um, instinct that he needs to kill Venom. I think that would have given us an extra scene of carnage and given us a good narrative purpose. Because, you know, all he says to, to Cletus is, gotta kill Venom, then we'll be unstoppable. Well, why is that? Number one, why do you need to kill Venom? Number two, why does killing Venom make you unstoppable? 
Maybe it's because he would consume Venom the way Venom consumed him. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. But I think an extra scene you could have done to give like a, a five to ten more minutes of screen time of runtime to the movie, plus giving us a little bit more carnage, plus give us good narrative purpose would have been, like I said, a good conversation scene between Cletus and uh, and Carnage regarding that stuff. I think that could have been beneficial. I think that could have been beneficial. All right. Next up. Uh, Scott D also writes or Scott D writes uh, movie was okay. Score was not my favorite. I agree. The score wasn't the best. I, I, I agree with that. Um, to me, editing was strange and I had a hard time understanding venom with the sound mix sometimes fun, but dumb. You listen, you're not the only one to mention that, by the way, I just want to call out Suthia sends in a super chat badge in the live chat as does Andrew Flores. Thank you guys for just sending in super chat badges there. I appreciate that. Um, I remember coming out of the movie after my second time watching it, Anne herself said, I need to watch it again because there were a couple of moments where I didn't understand what it was Venom was saying, which is kind of a common thing with uh, Eddie, Eddie, with uh, Tom Hardy doing voices in movies, like whether it's Bane or this one, sometimes it's not really under easy to understand what it is he's saying. So you're not the only one to notice that, Scott. I mean, I didn't have too much of a problem understanding what he was saying, but you're not the only one. Like even my own wife was saying she had a hard time sometimes recognizing that. All right, uh, next up, uh, John writes, Eddie needs a love interest on the third movie, like Scream, uh, played by Jennifer Lawrence. Maybe, but does he need a love interest? Do superheroes need to have love interests? I mean, a lot of people have been talking about Scream, and that that's a possibility. Jennifer Lawrence, super talented actress, one of the best in the world, Academy Award winning. Not bad, but I, I don't know that I agree that Eddie needs to have a love interest. Uh, so I don't know. Well, we'll see. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got Cecil Cross, who writes, Hated the first one. Didn't quite know what to expect. This time I knew what to expect. I suspect this was true for many. Somewhere in the multiverse, this movie was directed by Ulysses S. Claw. I mean, that's exactly what I was saying, right? You really got the sense that that Andy Serkis was bringing some of that Claw personality into Venom a little bit. So I totally get what you're saying on that. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, Ray Studios writes... In the first movie, uh, Riot kicked Venom's ass. In this one, Carnage kicked Venom's ass. Venom didn't beat either of them on his own. Also, I love the movie. Well, yeah, but both of them made sense because Riot was the senior symbiote, right? Like, Riot was above him. And in this one, although they didn't explain why, but, oh, shit, it's a red one. I mean, that clearly means something to symbiotes, right? If it's a red one... In the movie universe, that clearly means something serious. So Venom was acknowledging right even before that fight started, we're outclassed here. It's time to die. I mean us. We are going to die. So that... Um, that made... Okay, give me one second here. I, I just got to take care of something tactical. Give me one second, guys. I'll be right back. Okay, I uh, just had to uh, put a couple of uh, people in timeout. Listen, guys, please don't use my chat. If you you want to have a discussion, 
and even debate some things, go ahead and use my chat. But if you're just going to start insulting each other as you're trying to discuss things, I honestly don't want you here. I don't want you here. All you're doing is you're just making a toxic environment for everybody else. So if you want to debate, have discussions and disagreements, that's great. That's healthy. But if you guys are just going to start throwing around name calling and insulting each other, then, uh, then, then don't, we, we don't want you here because you're making it less fun for everybody else. So just please. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, we, that was, oh yeah, that was race news. Next up, Ash M writes, Hey John, I like the movie, but felt the movie fell a bit short. Could have used more time with Cletus and his bride. I think love the end credits. Um, I, I mean, again, I, you could have thrown in a few minutes. I thought it sang pretty well. I thought it sang pretty well at the pace it had. I didn't know if we needed more scenes. Again, the one extra scene you could have had was like I said, that conversation between, a, a serious conversation between Cletus and um, and Carnage, especially explaining why Carnage felt that natural instinctive need to kill Venom. I think that would have, uh, I thought that would have been really beneficial. I thought that would have been beneficial. All right, next up, we've got Alex Slice who writes, Dude, I'm so confused. Uh, this is getting good, but who breaks the multiverse? Wanda, Sylvie by killing Kang, or Doctor Strange in No Way Home trailer? Easy, it's Doctor Strange. Uh, again, all you have to do is look at the fact that Kevin Feige, in watching any of his movies, does not making watching something else prerequisite first. Like, it, it, he's not going to have something that happens in Loki be what causes something in Spider-Man No Way Home. He's not going to ask the audience that, oh, yeah, but before, if you have any chance of understanding this movie, you have to go and watch this Disney Plus television series we did. Kevin Feige doesn't do things that way. And so to me, that makes it very, very, very clear. This is a result of either Doctor Strange or something else that happens in Spider-Man No Way Home. This has nothing to do with Loki, has nothing to do with WandaVision. I think that much is pretty clear. I mean, you never know. You never know. But at least to me, that seems pretty cut and dry clear. All right. Uh, Corey 061827 writes, Hopefully De Venom doesn't show up in No Way Home. Already so many villains. Hopefully they save Venom for a Spider-Man versus Venom movie. Thoughts? Nah. No, it it'll probably be No Way Home. And again, there's no such thing as too many villains. Look at, look at Infinity War. Right? You had five villains. In, in Infinity War, five. Thanos, uh, uh, Ma, uh, Proxima Midnight. Why am I forgetting the name of the other two in the Black Order? But anyway, you had these four Black Order characters and you had Thanos. Five villains. Nobody complained that it was overcrowded. Why? Because they used them properly. They used them properly. So you could have this giant set piece of Wanda, Vision, Captain America, uh, Falcon, and Black Widow versus Proxima Midnight, and I forget the name of the other guy who's in there. Anyway, um, you got this big giant set piece of those characters, right, with these big villains. Then you had this giant set piece of Maw and the, the huge Black Order member versus Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, right? They had their own big, huge set pieces. 
Then you have the big set piece of Thanos on Titan against everybody there. And you had all these villains, all these villains, different places in the movies, different times, having different big set pieces and all that kind of stuff. And it never felt, it never felt overcrowded because they used the characters properly. They used them properly. Um, so, yeah. And by the way, Venom's not a villain. This is, I, I don't understand how people can watch Venom 1 and Venom 2 and not get the fact Venom is not a villain. He is the comic book version of the lethal protector. In the movie universe, he is a hero. And a lot of the comic books, he's a hero. So in this movie universe, this Venom is not going to join up with the Sinister Six. This Venom is not going to work side by side with Electro to, to do evil things. He wants to fight bad guys. He's He, in his mind, is a hero. So listen, and again, I, I go back to like the X-Men movie. You had Magneto, you had Mystique, you had uh, Sabretooth, you had Toad. You had the senator. You had you know, lots of villains, but it's it's do you use them right? Do you use them the right way? Do you manage and budget your screen time properly to do the things you need to do with these guys? And that's going to be the key. It's not that there are two. What, how many villains are in Spider-Man No Way Home? We know Electro is going to be one. We know Doctor Strange or Doctor Strange. We know um, that Doc Ock, sorry, two doctors. Uh, you know Doc Ock is going to be a villain there. You could still have room for three or four or five more, and it's still not overcrowded. Again, it's all about how do you use them. Uh, by the way, uh, My Comic Planet sent in like a huge $20 Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, My Comic Planet. I appreciate that, dude, very much. You just sent in the questions as well. So thank you for that, my friend. All right, let's move on here. Next up, Stevens World writes, Venom was good, but Carnage was the best part for me. Do you agree? John, thank you for what you do. I, I personally, I'm a, I like Venom a lot. Now, I love Carnage in this movie. I do. But Venom, to me, is still the star of the show. Venom, to me, is still the star of the show. So my favorite part of the movie is still things that involve Venom. But I thought Carnage was a great villain. I do. All right. Next up, Wally writes, do you think the tension between Eddie and Peter is based around J. Jonah framing him as a killer because of Mysterio's manipulation? Well, I, listen, there's so much we don't know. By the way, who said there's going to be tension between Eddie and Peter? I, I, I haven't read an official synopsis of Spider-Man's No Way Home saying, from another universe, Eddie Brock, a.k.a. Venom, has tension with the this universe's version of Spider-Man, and they have enmity towards each other. For all we know, Venom shows up in this universe and instantly likes Peter. I mean, we literally don't know anything yet. So, so number one, you're making an assumption, Wally, that there's going to be tension between Eddie and Peter when we don't even know that there's going to be tension between Eddie. I mean, maybe there will be, maybe, but maybe there won't be. Maybe they're friends right from the beginning. They're both good guys. I mean, so you could just have them like each other right away. If he does, I mean, but there's also, but also remember this, Venom's not the main antagonist of this movie. I think he's going to appear in it. And by the way, we don't even know that he's going to appear in No Way Home. I think he will, but we don't know that he will. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot of assuming right now. I, I got to see more. 
I got to see me. But here's here's a question though, guys. Let me put up. Let me gonna put up another poll in the live chat for those of you guys watching live. Because here's a question. Okay. Now that we've seen uh, Venom two, is Venom going to be in new Spider-Man No Way Home trailers? That's a, how, how's that for a question for you? Because if, and it's still an if, but if Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy, Venom are in Spider-Man No Way Home, which we don't know if they are, but if they are, now that Venom 2 is out, I mean, give it another week or two, but if he's in the movie, could Marvel put him in the trailers? Could Marvel put him in the trailers? I don't know. I mean, even if he's in the movie, they may want to keep that secret. Or maybe they'll they'll utilize that to push the box office. Remember, Marvel is not in control of the marketing of Spider-Man No Way Home. This is important for people to understand. Marvel is not in charge of the marketing for Spider-Man No Way Home. The marketing of a movie is not determined by the movie's production company. It's determined by the distribution company. And in this case, Sony is the distributor of Spider-Man No Way Home. They are the ones in charge of the marketing of the movie. So would Sony, if Venom is in the movie, and we don't even know if he is or not, but if he is in the movie of Spider-Man No Way Home, would Sony... Now that Venom 2 is out in theaters, would they now put Venom in a trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home? Would Sony do that? I don't know. Uh, so I put that up in the in the thing there. We got There's uh, 175 votes in there now, and 40% of you are saying, yes, we're going to see Venom in a, in a trailer if he's in the movie, and 60% of you are saying no. So I don't know. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. Thank you, everybody who participated in that. Okay, uh, let's move on here. Um, uh, Rampage Predacon saying, if he's in the trailer, the trailer will break the web. Listen, I, I'm telling you what, if they did put out a trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home and Venom popped up in it, it would, like if you thought people got excited for seeing Doc Ock, Venom showing up in that Spider-Man trailer, Tom Hardy Venom showing up in the Spider-Man trailer would break the web. It would, it would totally break the internet. You thought Facebook went down. Wait till you see what happens to the whole internet uh, when that happens. All right. Okay, next up. Who was that? That was Wally. Okay, next we go to... Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, that was Steven's World. That was Steven's World. Next up is Wally who writes, Do you think that... Oh, no, no. We, that was Wally. We got that already. Okay, next up. Um, we are at Ray Studios writes, we tampered with the stability of space-time Doctor Strange. Oh, they tampered with space-time. This had a bigger domestic opening than the first one. Did, you know, I'm not 100% sure about that, but maybe you're right. Let me go and check that. Hold on a second. So, uh, Venom uh, box office. Let me see this quickly. So, Venom, which ended up, by the way, making $556 million worldwide. 500 or $856 million worldwide. Uh, which is crazy. Uh, let me get over to Box Office Mojo for a second. Um, that's not it. Stupid ad. Um, where are we at here? Okay, so let me look for Venom. 
Okay, so Venom made in its fir- the first Venom movie on its opening weekend. Holy shit, you're right. In a pandemic, Venom 2 opened with $90 million, which is $10 million more than Venom 1 opened with in a non-pandemic era. Venom 1, which made $856 million, opened to $80 million in its opening weekend domestically. $80 million. This one just opened with 90 that's crazy. That's 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 some serious nutso level stuff. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I mean, I was already super impressed with 90 million. That's a ton. I didn't realize that was even bigger than the original uh Venom movie that opened. That is that is a disturbance in the space-time continuum. Holy crap. That that's true, Ray. All right, anyway, next up. Quentin uh Shibusawa writes. When Anne falls from the tower and Venom catches her, it reminded me of Gwen's death. Somebody else was saying this earlier in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. If only Gwen had a Dan to catch her. Yeah, listen, I'll tell you what, too. In as much crap as people give The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I get it. I I do. I mean, I didn't think The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was a dumpster fire of a movie. It was definitely a big step down from the first Amazing Spider-Man, which I think is great. I think the first, I don't care what anybody says. F y'all. I think the first Amazing Spider-Man, the first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie, I thought that movie was great. I really did. The second one was a significant step down. But I will tell you what, that whole sequence and scene with the death of Gwen Stacy, that to me was really powerful. That I I don't care what you think of the whole movie, and, and I and I'm kind of there with you on for a lot of part. That movie was a big was a big step down, but I thought that scene at the end was powerful. That, and a reminder that our superheroes can't do everything. The superheroes can't do everything. Sometimes they fail. He couldn't save Gwen, and that whole the camera work of her falling and. Like the web catching in her head, snapping back, and I think smashing on the ground. And it, oh, powerful scene, man. Sometimes not the best movies can have amazing moments. And to me, that was an amazing moment. All right, next up, uh, we've got uh, Cecil Cross writes. I like the detective. He played uh, Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire. Oh, did he, did he play Capone? Was that him? You know what? I didn't even realize that. You're right. That was him. I totally, when I was watching Boardwalk Empire, I totally missed that that was Tommy from Snatch. I totally missed that. You're right. Anyway, by the way, Zevia is never going to sponsor you if you keep going to Vegas. <laughs> Wait a second. Why wouldn't they sponsor me because I go to Vegas? That, that makes no sense. I know they'll never sponsor me because I call them insufferably, be, insufferably cheap sons of bitches. That I get. But why would they not sponsor me going to Vegas? I don't, I don't get that. Anyway, uh, Cam K writes, um, this moment was easily the funniest of the movie, Venom. We need sound. Me. Oh, he's going to use Shriek as a weapon. Venom. Knock Shriek into a bell so hard that it tongs. This movie hit my funny bone. Listen, I'll tell you what. I actually, I don't know if I was looking down to grab candy out of my bag or something on my during my first, my first viewing of Venom, but I missed that. 
And then in the second viewing event, when I noticed him doing that, I got to admit, man, I laughed my ass off. I laughed my ass off when that happened. Um, I really, I thought that was a great scene. And good on you, Cam, for bringing that up because we were overlooking that. All right, Ray Studios writes, Venom is making a pit stop in the MCU, and when he goes back to his universe, he'll take Spider-Man with him. I agree. Do you think he'll take Aunt May, Ned, and MJ with him too? You know what? I'm going to say yes. I, I mean, I, I certainly think, although I don't know, I do think Jacob Bartolone and Zendaya will go over to the Sonyverse as well. And I think Marissa Tomei as hot, hot Aunt May, I think she will too. The only thing I could see keeping Aunt May in the MCU is her connection to Jon Favreau's character. That's the only thing I see keeping her there. But I do think, and I'm just guessing, I think we'll see Jacob Bartolone and Zendaya as Ned and MJ. I think they'll go over to the Sony universe as well. But I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think that's what'll happen. All right. Um, let's see here. Next up, we've got uh, Cam K writes, Venom may have said that guy and licked the screen because he can only eat bad guys and Spider-Man is being outed as a murderer on the news. I mean, yeah, we've been talking about that. That's a possibility. That is a possibility. He may go over there to find out. But again, I don't think Venom, even though I think he will appear in the movie, I don't think he's going to have a major role in it. So, I, I mean, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. All right, next up, Matthew Cassidy writes, doesn't this make Michael Keaton's vulture showing up in that trailer for Morbius make more sense? Isn't Venom and Morbius in the same uh, universe? We don't know because we've never seen uh, Morbius. We've never seen Morbius. For all we know, they're going to say Morbius takes place in the MCU, and then Morbius may be shot over into the Sony Spider-Verse along with Venom and Spider-Man. I mean, I, I don't know that's what I'm, I don't even saying I think that's what's going on. I'm just saying that's a possibility. That maybe Morbius starts in the MCU, in that world, and then he comes back over. Or maybe as a result of the tinkering of Doctor Strange, Michael Keaton's vulture gets sent into the Sony Spider-Verse where Morbius already is. Again, I don't know. Hard to really have a solid theory when we haven't even seen the movie yet. Hard to have a solid theory when we haven't even seen the movie yet. But it's a lot of good guesses. Okay, next up. Uh, GM writes... <clears throat> So with the post credit scene, is Venom considered an MCU movie? And does this ruin the MCU perfect record of no rotten RT scores? No, this is not an MCU movie. At the very end, like, look, the, the big question is, does this movie take place in the MCU? No, it doesn't. So it's not an MCU movie. At the end, there's a little glimpse of something, but in looking at, is this an MCU movie or a Sony Spider-Verse movie? It is clearly a Sony Spider-Verse movie. It's clearly that. So no, this is not, we should not in any way consider this an MCU movie GM. All right, next up, uh, Jose Garcia writes, I hope they take Spider-Man back. They are. Uh, uh, tired of kids Spider-Man. Give me a more independent Spider. Now that he's older, maybe they can get more mature tone in movies. Well, I mean, if it's Spider-Man, I don't ever want him being too, I mean, Spider-Man is always supposed to be a wisecracking, um, 
uh, you know, punchline given kind of character. That's what he's always supposed to be. You never want him becoming dark and mature. That's not what Spider-Man is. And it's not what he's supposed to be. But I would like to see a more independent Spider-Man. I'm, I'm ready to move on from Iron Man Jr. And when he comes over to the Sony Spider-Verse, please do not bring his Iron Man Jr. Iron Man armor with him. Put him in a proper Spider-Man costume. Spider-Man is cool enough without him needing to be a knockoff version of Iron Man with his built-in AI and robotic arms. and That's not what Spider-Man's supposed to be. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, but please keep the nature of his personality. That's, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got... Uh, Brian learns stuff was, are we at that right? Yes. Brian learns stuff, writes. Symbiote hive mind is why venom recognizes Spider-Man, uh, either from another universe or even from the symbiote from Spider-Man three, since that's becoming Canon. It's not re- Listen, don't, don't get the, the, the little shtick of some cross universe stuff, meaning Canon. I, I don't go that far, but there, to me, there is nothing in the movie that suggested Venom recognized Spider-Man on screen. All I said was that guy. That doesn't mean anything. We might watch Spider-Man No Way Home and find out that Venom recognized him somehow, some way. Maybe we do. But watching the movie and watching that scene, um, I... I didn't at all interpret that as him recognizing. I I didn't at all get the sense that he recognized Peter. I mean, maybe they'll say, maybe they'll say that's what what it was. And I'm open to that, totally. I'm just saying, as as an audience member watching the movie twice, I never got the impression that Venom recognized the guy on screen. I think he had a kind of a natural attraction to him, but I don't think... Um, I don't think it at all sets up that he recognized him. At least I don't think so. We might find out, we might find out otherwise though, Brian. All right. Andres Moran writes, I hope this isn't the last time we see carnage since he's now in the Marvel fake death universe and hope post-credit scene leads to multiple Spider-Men. I mean, maybe, I mean, you know, there's a lot of speculation. I personally think that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in the movie. We don't know that there's been no credible evidence that they are. But I think they will be. I think they will be. We'll see. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. And again, if they want to bring Carnage back, there's a very, very easy narrative way to do it. Just, you know, he came from Venom. He can come from Venom again through some sort of of circumstances. We'll see. All right. Hector uh, Zerate writes, and oh my goodness, sends in like a $50 super chat. Thank you, Hector. Appreciate that so much, man. Thank you for supporting us on that level. Um, and Hector writes, hey, John, it's been a while since I've watched your channel live, but I've always loved watching your videos after you post them. Thank you for your awesomeness. All hail King Campy. Oh, dude, thank you so much. Not only do you so generously support our channel on that level, but you also were very, very supportive in your words as well. And it's Listen, it always feels nice when somebody just wants to do nothing but write in just to say something encouraging. And um, you, honestly, you have no idea how much that that means to me. So thank you so much, Hector. It's very, very appreciated. Very, very much. And thanks for being here. And thank you for that. I, I, I appreciate that a great deal. All right. Uh, Nick Figures writes. So. If there's 100% no chance Venom will be in the MCU longer because of Sony building their own separated universe. I never said it's 100%. I'm saying that's just what it seems obvious to me. 
I believe that's what's happening, then no universe would I ever say it's 100% no chance. I would only say that if Kevin Feige himself called me on the phone and told me that. I just think it's, to me, that's what's happening. But 100%, no way. Anyway, um, if there's 100% no chance Venom will be in the MCU longer because of Sony building their own separated universe, what's the deal with Vulture being in the Morbius trailer? Just wondering. Again, impossible to say when we've never seen Morbius. Until we see the movie, we have no idea what's going on there. And by the way, while I absolutely believe that Michael Keaton is Vulture from the Spider-Man movie, there's been nothing official that says he is, although I believe that he is. But listen, again, there's a hundred different possible explanations. One of them being that whatever took Vulture, whatever took Venom into the MCU is the same thing that sent Michael Keaton's character out of the MCU and into the Spider-Verse world. That could have happened. Or Morbius takes place in the MCU and will end with him being jettisoned out of it. I mean, again, there's lots of different possibilities. Lots and lots of possibilities. But I can't, I don't think any of us can come up with a real definitive theory until we actually see the movie. I mean, we just have no idea what the nature of the movie is. So we've got a little bit longer that we have to wait. We got a little bit longer that we have to wait until we get to see that and know that for sure. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, um, K Major writes, my favorite scene is after Eddie is told by Anne that she's engaged. Eddie kind of tries to self-destruct and Venom talks him down. Best part was when, was when Venom said, uh, I'll endure that insult because I know you're hurting my friend. Uh, dude, the feels I listen, that was a great moment. I'll allow that because I know you're hurting. I mean, that was actually a really good moment. It's, it's the first time, because up until that moment in the movie, Eddie and Venom had been bickering a lot in the movie, right? It's, it's a difficult situation. But when push came to shove, when Venom realized that Eddie was really, really hurt, like that must have been so hard for him to hear that the woman he loves is now marrying somebody else. He's in a lot of pain. And even though Venom and Eddie had both been bickering and arguing with each other the whole movie up until that point, when one was truly hurt, the other wanted to be supportive. And I thought that was a really beautiful moment myself. I, I, I personally thought it was a really beautiful moment. Um, and um, I, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Okay, uh, next up. Andres Moran writes, am I crazy to think Cletus Haiku was romantic? As oh, no, it was. It was super romantic. Again, even villains can have that one bright light. Uh, all right. Uh, Star Wars Communications right? Uh, any comment on Christian's accusations involving you and a mongoose and a rainbow stick? I have not heard of that myself. Certainly, if there was some kind of comment like that, I'm sure it was in response to my, what did I say? Humping donkeys? Was that what I said he did? Anyway, so something like that. But I, I have not heard of that one from Christian myself on that one. All right. Stevens World writes. I wish they wouldn't kill Carnage. Why does the MCU or other comic book movies kill off the villains uh, like one and done? Carnage should return. Why? Uh, thanks again, John. I mean, look, it's Venom's universe. It's Venom's world. If you have told the story that you want to tell with one character and the story feels more natural ending with the that one villain dying, then that's what you do. That's what you do. You know, characters are there to serve the stories. And so if that was their story, 
That's what it was. You don't keep a villain around just for the sake of it, just for the hell of it. So I I was okay with it. And again, this is a comic book world. If they want to bring him back, there are going to be ways to bring him back. Not as easy to bring back, back Cletus per se, but it'll not be terribly difficult for them to bring back um uh to bring back um uh, what was I saying? Uh, to bring back Carnage if they wanted to. Not difficult for them to do that at all. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's move on here. Next, we've got the amazing Webhead rights. Uh, maybe they can bring an MCU carnage for Peter and Eddie to fight. It's possible the symbiote might still be in him. Uh, people want Spidey versus Carnage. Who is people? I'm not asking for Spidey versus Carnage. I'm sure there are some people. And listen, I, I know that some people want to see Morbius fight Blade and uh, you know a lot of other stuff, but. People want Spidey versus Carnage. Who people? What people? Uh, 95% of the people who went to the movies have never even heard of Carnage. So I, I don't know what you mean when you say people want Spidey versus Carnage. Which people? The 3% of the movie going audience that actually read the comics and understand, you know, Spider-Man. I mean, so I don't know what you mean by the people want Spidey versus Carnage. No, they don't. There's a very small segment that maybe do, but not the people. And listen, we're all we do we all do this, right? Like I'll say, if fans want this. Well, what fans? When you say the fans want this, you really mean you and your buddies want that, because you don't speak for all the fandom. Because a lot of the fandom may feel otherwise. It's just something for us to keep in mind. Um, I I don't think we're going to see a separate. There's I do not believe at all we're going to see carnage. In Spider-Man No Way Home. That I don't believe at all. I do believe we'll see Eddie in there. I think we'll see Venom, but I don't think at all. And you never know. They might. I'm just saying, I don't believe at all that we're actually going to see Carnage in Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't think we're going to see that. I don't think so. Now, it's very possible they could bring Carnage back in the Venom Spider-Man Spideyverse in Sony at some point. And we could eventually see Spider-Man and Carnage fighting in the Sony-verse. But I don't. I definitely don't think we're going to see that. Uh, I definitely don't think we're going to see that in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. But then again, you never know. All right. Uh, Dominic uh, Cravens just sends in a super chat badge. Thank you, Dominic. Um, Max writes, since when is Venom, uh, when is Venom, since when is Venom alien Deadpool? Since Venom won. I mean, this is, that's the nature of the relationship. And by the way, there are comic runs where Venom is very much like this, but that's the personality they gave him in the movies. All right. The Harsh Truth writes, I think it's a given that Venom is is in Spider-Man. Uh, I don't know that it's a given. I don't know that that's a given. I think so, but I, I don't know that I'd say it's a given yet. Anyway, real question is how significant will his role be? Probably not all that significant. I'm thinking post credit scene, not main character. Well, there is, um, there is a... Um, there is a middle ground between quick post credit scene and main character, right? There, there is, there's a big area in between those things. I don't think he's just going to be a post credit scene, but I do not think he's going to be a main character either. It'll be somewhere in the 50 shades of gray in between. I'm thinking he makes an appearance in the movie, 
I think he's probably even in more than one scene, but I don't think he's a major character in the movie. Again, we're all talking out of our asses here. I mean, we don't know. We don't know for sure one way or the other, right? So, I mean, you never know. But again, all I'm saying is there are more options than just post credit scene or main character. I, I personally think and could totally be wrong about this. I've got no evidence one way or the other. I'm just speculating here like the rest of us. But I think he will be in it. And I think it'll be more than just post credit scene, but definitely not a main character. It could be anywhere in between. Or it could be either one of those. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. We as fans, we don't know. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see as we get closer. The movie's not that far away now. Thankfully, the movie is now not that far away. So we will find out soon enough. All right, next up, we go to, and I just jumped through my questions a bit here. Oh, I jumped, jumped around a lot. Uh, Wally, uh, we got, who did we also get? Venom's making a pit stop in the MCU. We got that. Uh, or haven't read that one yet. Uh, where do we leave off? Cam, Matthew. Wait a second. Where did we leave off? Okay, so this movie is the funniest. Uh, Shriek hit the bell. We did read that. Venom's making his pit stop. Uh, Venom said that guy licked the screen. Doesn't make Michael Keaton show me the trailer. Movies. Okay, we did that. So the postcard scene was Venom considered an MCU. Okay, no, we already did that. Sorry, guys. I lost my spot here. I hope this isn't the last time we see Carnage. He's now Mar Okay, yes. Um, we did that one. We did Nick. Uh... Okay, the Eddie scene, I'll endure it because, yeah. Uh, where is it? Should return. Dominic, we did that. Since when is Valentine's Day? Tedpool. Uh, the Tarchers. Okay, now, now we're caught up. Sorry about that, guys. I hate it when I lose my spot here. It makes it terrible to try to get back on uh, track here. Okay, we're up to some old guy in Hawaii writes. Um... Where are we here? Appreciated that the doctor slash fiance was cool a la Ant-Man. Uh, Vice, clearly not as good for her as Eddie. Um, Vice, who? Vice? Vice, clearly, I don't know what you mean by that. Um, Vice, clearly not as good for her as Eddie, even if Venom disagreed about his usefulness. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm not exactly sure what you're saying there, except the alt part. I Again, we were talking about this earlier. I love the fact that Anne is with somebody else and that somebody else isn't a giant dick. He's actually a really good guy. And if you're saying that you think Dan isn't as good for her as Eddie would be, I don't know that that's true. Listen, at the end of the day, Eddie, when you go back to the first Venom movie, Eddie really did brutally betray Anne. He really betrayed her. And Dan is a super great guy who clearly puts her first. Like, even when she wants to run off and risk both of their lives to help her ex, and he's okay with it, and he supports her, I mean, I don't know that Eddie is better for Anne than Dan is. I'm not trying to take sides here. Again, I, I'm not trying to take sides. I'm just saying 
I don't know that Eddie is better for her than Dan. Dan is like fucking perfect to her. Even when she's running around to do things for her ex, which most men would not tolerate, Dan still supports her when she wants to do that. I don't know, man. He's pretty damn good for her. Like even I loved at the end, I can't remember the exact words, but even at the end when Venom goes, oh, I like you, Dan. I mean, there is something beautiful in that. So I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure uh, that uh, that Eddie is better for her than Dan is. That is kind of my thought on it. All right. Uh, thanks for that, some old guy in Hawaii. Ben Rayner writes, um, uh, could Venom be in Doctor Strange 2 with Spider-Man? First of all, we don't know that Spider-Man is in Doctor Strange 2. I think he will be. But unless I'm mistaken, I don't believe there's been any official announcement that Spider-Man will be in Doctor Strange. We know Doctor Strange, Spider-Man No Way Home, and WandaVision kind of have a, a overarching uh, theme to them. Kevin Feige has acknowledged that, but I don't know that there's been any, I'm saying, I might be wrong about that. I'm saying, I don't know. I don't know that there's been any official announcement that Spider-Man will be in Dr. Strange too. So if we don't even know if Spider-Man is going to be in Dr. Strange too, I don't know if we can make any assumptions about whether or not, um, Venom will be there or not. So, uh, anyway, let's continue reading the question. If not, I guess both will go to Venom's universe. I agree with you about Peter's exit. Maybe an emotional scene or a goodbye at the end of Doctor Strange 2. Again, I I think it could happen in Spider-Man No Way Home. I think it could happen in Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, you might be wrong about that, but, I mean, I think it's going to happen there. So, but either there, maybe in Doctor Strange 2, maybe earlier, maybe later. I mean, I, that's one of the possibilities, though, Ben. All right, next up. Uh, Medusa writes, Kelly Marcel has no business writing Marvel movies. Venom, LTBC, oh, Let There Be Carnage, is horrid and does and, and does know, no, and does know to his character. And this comes from a huge fan of Carnage. Well, Medusa, Medusa I respect your, your opinion. But all I'm saying is, as an audience member myself, I love this movie. I thought it was great. Not as good as Shang-Chi, not as good as, you know, uh, uh, Suicide Squad to me. But I'm just going to tell you, that's great that that's your perspective. And I respect that. That's your perspective. But you're going to have to accept the fact that there's going to be a lot of people that do not share your perspective. I thought this movie was very entertaining. I thought this movie was very entertaining. And is it a, a thing that's going to work for everybody? No, not going to be for everybody. Clearly, like yourself, who is a fan of the character and it didn't work for you, and I respect that. that that's movies, right? That's the subjectivity of film. But you're going to have to accept that the movie they wrote ended up being very entertaining for a lot of people and is extremely successful. Is extremely successful. Um, so, uh, but again, not everybody's going to, I said that from the day, the moment I walked out of Venom, I did my first reaction. I said, this movie's not going to be for everybody. And so I'm not surprised that there are people that it doesn't work for. Totally cool. But don't think for a second that because you didn't like it, that means nobody else liked it. A lot of people did, including me. I, I had a really good time with this movie. Anyway, all good. All right, next up. Uh, Spencer Smothers writes, uh, is that where we're at? Yes, yeah, Spencer Smothers writes. So, if they're transitioning Spider-Man out of the MCU, why would Marvel let mutants be in a universe that they are no longer going to be a part of? Ah, ah. See, that's where it gets interesting. 
Because first of all, we're making a lot of assumptions right now that we just simply don't know about. But we do know this. Kevin Feige needs a way to bring X-Men and mutants into the MCU that makes narrative sense and is consistent with the MCU that they've set up already. Right? How do you do that? One possible way is to say that mutants are brought over from a different universe where they always have been there and they've and they have their long history and all that stuff and it's there ready to be used and now you just bring it into the MCU from a pre-existing universe. I'm not saying that's what they're doing. I'm saying that's one of the possibilities. That's one of the possibilities. Also, just because Shriek mentioned that she is a mutant, or at least that she has a mutation, that doesn't necessarily mean X-Men are in Venom's universe. I'm suspecting it does, but I only suspect. I just suspect. All right? I only suspect. So, yeah. I mean, there are a billion different possibilities here. But again, one of the things that Marvel may be getting from the extended deal that they made with Sony a couple of years ago. One of the things that Marvel may be getting out of it may, may be getting out of it is the fact that it gives Kevin Feige his opening to introduce the X-Men by bringing them in from a different universe. It's possible. It's possible. So in asking about uh, mutants and all that kind of stuff, they won't be staying over in, in Sony's verse. They definitely won't be staying there, if they're there at all. But there's a lot of different openings for there, Spencer. A lot of different openings. All right. Hector Zerate writes, and sends in like a $20 super chat. Thank you, Hector, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Uh, Michael Myers, the only man to bring a knife to a gunfight and win. Well, I mean, now we're talking about Halloween. So we're here to, we're here to, I appreciate the comment, but we're, we're here to talk about Venom. We're here to talk about Venom, let there be carnage. But I am just as a side note, Hector, I am very, very excited to watch the movie. I love the last Halloween movie. I'm very excited to see this new one. All right. Unintended Studios writes, I figured it out. Being a Marvel character with no relation in the new season of Dexter, he'll jump universes. And of course he'll be Mephisto all along bringing Venom over. Wait, what? So now Dexter is going to be one of the universe hoppers and Dexter will actually be Mephisto and bring Venom with him. Listen, no chance in hell that happens. But if it does, I'm telling you right now, Unintended Studios is actually Kevin Feige's pseudonym. He's actually writing that. Because there's no way, if this actually happened, which there's no way it is, but if it did, there is no way that that would be just a guess. That would be somebody from Marvel, probably Kevin Feige himself, uh, writing that in. All right. Dale writes... What do you think of Annie getting the Scream symbiote uh, for a Venom sequel? Audiences love her. Audiences do love her. And I, I think her character is great. But, and listen, I'm open to them doing whatever they want to do as long as they're telling a good story. But I'll just say that as a fan myself, I really love the fact that Anne is not with Eddie. That Anne is with somebody else now. That Anne is with a great guy in Dr. Dan. That Anne has her own thing going. I I kind of like that. And I don't know 
that I want to see these movies just hand her back over. Um, just hand her back over to Eddie. So I, I appreciate the fact that he lost the girl and the girl moved on. She still appreciates Eddie. She still cares about Eddie, but she's moved on with her life and built her life with maybe a man who's even better for her than Eddie was. I don't know. I have many conflicted feelings on it. I have many conflicted feelings on it. All right. Thanks for that, Dale. Uh, Next up, Paul Stanley writes, "Uh, John, there may be no off position for the genius switch, but the battery sure run low sometimes. There you go. I was saying earlier, guys, remember, hey, there's no off position on this genius switch. But yes, maybe, maybe it's fair to say sometimes the batteries run low. All right. Mo Reese writes and sends like a $20 super chat. Thank you so much for that, Mo. And Mo Reese I agree with Sony getting Spider-Man back at some point, but I fear for that for that Sony Spider-Verse uh, they're building. Venom movies are fun, but not that good. Well, that that's a point. That's a that's an opinion. That's one person's opinion. There are a lot of people that really like it. Anyway, one can only hope Feige got Miles Morales out of the deal split. No, Feige is not getting Miles Morales. Miles Morales is very very much a Sony thing. And by the way, the best Spider-Man movie made hold on a second let me uh just check this out uh spider man to release date um okay no that's the first spider man when what year did spider man 2 come out 2000 was it 2004 oh my gosh it was 2004 okay spider man Sony has made the best Spider-Man movie since 2004. All right. That includes Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man No Way Home. The best Spider-Man movie made in the last 17 years. And oh my God, I can't believe Spider-Man 2 was 17 years ago. Anyway, the best Spider-Man movie made in the last 17 years, including two movies made by Marvel, the best Spider-Man movie has been one made by Sony. And if you go back more than 17 years, the two best Spider-Man movies of all time are both Sony Spider-Man movies. Not Marvel movies, Sony movies. Spider-Man 2, now this is just a subjective opinion of one fan, all right? But to me, Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse are both better Spider-Man movies than anything Disney has made. It's also true, I've said this before, it's also true that Sony has made the worst Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man 3, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, okay, I give you that. Then they made a couple of good solid ones, the first Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 1. Those are solid movies, good movies. I, I really like both of those. But... I'm not terribly worried about Sony making a Spider-Man verse because in their hands, they have made better Spider-Man movies than Disney has. Sorry. Inconvenient truth. So for that, I don't worry at all. And remember, I say I really like Homecoming a lot and I really like Far From Home a lot. But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, other than Spider-Man 2, might be the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Like, I thought Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 
It, what, what year did that come out? 2018, guys? 2018? You know, if if I'm remembering, I think that was 2018. Um, two other comic book movies came out that year. Two other big, significant comic book movies. Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War. I am telling you right now, the best comic book movie of 2018 was not Black Panther and it was not Avengers Infinity War. It was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That was the best comic book movie that year. I, I, I know that, and I will fight you on that. I know there's a lot of people who disagree and I respect that. It's all subjective. But, but to me, the best comic book movie of that year was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And I spent a year crapping on that movie before it came out because I thought it looked dumb. Nobody wants to see a Miles Morales movie. We want to see Peter Parker. Uh, I didn't like the animation style in the trailers. I'm like, this animation style looks weird. I don't know if it's going to be like, that was me for a whole year. This looks stupid. Well, that was me. And then when I actually saw it, I was like, holy shit. This movie is awesome. I turned around. I went back and watched it again the next day. And then I went to go see it again. And then I went to go see it again. And when the pandemic was raging and our local drive-ins were getting, and the first thing Anna and I went to go to the drive-in to see, let's go see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse again. And we went to the drive-in and watched my, that movie is fucking awesome. That movie is beyond awesome. It's incredible. Again, Sony movie, not a Disney movie, not a Marvel movie, Sony movie. So I have, listen, any movie that comes out made by anybody could be terrible. Right. Any movie that comes out from anybody could be terrible. Absolutely. But when I think of the prospects of Sony getting Spider-Man back, especially a Sony now that has learned lessons from the mistakes they made on like uh, like the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Again, I thought the Amazing Spider-Man 1 was really good. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 obviously took a took a dip, but especially a Sony that made a movie like The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and learned a lot of lessons from that. And then they come out and do a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Which, again, I think maybe other than Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, I think is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Um, I don't have any fear about Sony taking over Spider-Man. I don't have any fear of it. It may be great, it may not be great, but I don't have any fear of it going into it. Because they have shown that they learned lessons from their mistakes, that they know how to handle Spider-Man maybe better than Marvel does, at least on the big screen, not in the comic books, but on the big screen. And so I have no trepidation from that at all. I, I say, bring it on. I really like the Marvel Spider-Man movies. Don't get me wrong. Homecoming and Far From Home had been great. I really enjoy them. But I know I haven't liked them nearly as much as I like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So I don't know. We'll see. I just think there's a lot of potential upside. I think there's a lot of potential upside. Potential downside for sure, but I also think a lot of potential upside. But by the way, there's no prayer that Marvel is going to get to keep Miles Morales. There's no prayer for that. Not in any world is Sony going to let Miles Morales go over to the MCU. They are doing very well with Miles Morales where they are. So I, I don't think that's going to change. All right, next up. We've got uh, uh, It's Trevor Stone writes, Kevin Feige said it himself when Marvel got Spider-Man back. 
He also happens to be the only hero with superpowers to cross cinematic universes. Yep, and I think that ultimately is what they're setting up for his departure out of the MCU. I remember we talked a lot about that. When when Kevin Feige made those comments, that made headlines everywhere, and we talked a lot about what that could or may mean, and I, I think we're going to see it's pulling him back in. Now, again, when they do pull him back into Sony, and they pull him back to the Sony Spider-Verse, nothing is preventing Marvel and Sony from here's here's a great example of this here's a great example of this tell me what you guys think of this analogy for those of you who watch star trek the next generation and star trek deep space nine all right you guys remember that Worf became a regular cast member of deep space nine right but what happened when they made their next Star Trek The Next Generation movie. When they made their next Star Trek The Next Generation movie, even though Worf is supposed to be on Deep Space Nine, they came up for an excuse and a reason why Worf was there. Because you can't do a Star Trek The Next Generation movie if you don't have Worf, right? You got to have Worf there. So even though Worf was now full-time on Deep Space Nine, they were able to come up with an excuse for why Worf could be there. So I'm I'm just proposing this. This may be a possibility that they could very easily say, okay, now Spider-Man is off now and he is now in the Sony-verse. No longer in the MCU. That doesn't mean, though, potentially, maybe, possibly, that whenever they do Avengers 5, that they've maybe got an agreement with Sony that says, hey, when we do Avengers 5, we want to have Spider-Man in it. So can we come up with an excuse? Can we come up with a way? Can we come up with a story hook that says and sets up that Spider-Man can appear when we're doing Avengers 5? Just like they came up with an excuse about why Worf could be in the Star Trek The Next Generation movie, even though he was on Deep Space Nine now. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but I'm saying that's a possibility. I'm saying it's a possibility that Spider-Man could leave the MCU, but they may still leave a little crack in the door open that he could pop up when they like do Avengers movies and they want Spider-Man in it. Just a possibility. Just saw a possibility. Uh, okay, next up. Uh, let's see. Kenya writes, or Kenna writes, the TV scene and post credit scene yeah, happened before Doctor Strange. I think the Loki event is what's caused... Nah, nah, the Loki thing had nothing to do with it. Again, if you watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, when you're pulling people in from different realities, they could pop up into a different time than others, right? Because remember, Gwen Stacy showed up in, in Miles Morales' universe weeks, weeks, if not months, before Peter Parker showed up in Miles Morales' universe, even though they both came over as a result of the same event. So it means nothing. The fact that he he's there and he saw the TV broadcast doesn't mean anything. That just means that when Doctor Strange's spell brought him over, it brought him into a different time. Right? It brought him into a different time. That's exactly how they explained it in uh, Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. Into the Spider-Verse, I mean. So that's very easily the way they could explain it here. 
It's like saying, yeah, I came here three years ago as a result of a spell that you're going to cast in three days, right? So that's easily explained. They've already kind of set the groundwork for that in uh, in uh, Spider-Verse. Uh, okay, let's see here. Where are we at now? Uh, next up, we got Peter Parker writes, what did you think when Cletus was bitten and became carnage? Kind of feels like a stretch to say Eddie biting Cletus, Cletus's fingernails transformed him so drastically. Not really, because how much of a, I mean, how much of a symbiote has to get into you to then manifest into its own thing? I, I personally didn't think that was much of a stretch at all. And even Venom realized that was a bad thing. That was a bad thing. Honestly, I think Cletus getting some of Eddie's blood into his system, that is actually in the in a world of suspending disbelief to believe in alien symbiotes that become these, these super-powered goo characters. That's as believable as anything else I could possibly come up with, Seth. So for me, it kind of it kind of worked fine, at least for me. Uh, anyway, uh, Andrew Flores, send in a Super Chat badge just to be supportive. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Ray Studios writes, when we see... Uh, Vision, Spider-Man, fight. Who will you root, root for? Who says we're going to see them fight? Who says we're going to see them fight? This Venom is the lethal protector. For all we know, he's going to meet Spider-Man and be instantly instantly adore him, and they're going to be best of friends and best buddies. I mean, I don't know. But, 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 if they did fight, if they did fight, I'm cheering for Spider-Man. Because he's Spider-Man. Come on. I'll just be cheering for a good fight. I'll be cheering for a good, entertaining, fun fight. But probably be rooting for Spider-Man. All right, Ben Rayner writes, Keaton and Morbius makes more sense now, right? Maybe. It depends on how they explain it. For all we know, Keaton isn't Vulture in Morbius. But he probably is. But we don't know that. Maybe this, maybe Morbius takes place in the Sony-verse, but maybe it actually takes place in the MCU. And that Morbius will go into the Sony-verse as a result of the events of No Way Home or something else. I mean, again, there's just so many unanswered questions right now, it's hard to say for sure. All right, uh, Jace Little writes, Symbiotes don't like fire and sound. Cletus lights fire, nothing from Carnage. Ah, but, but, they set the fire, but uh, to the, to the uh, old... Uh, to the old home, but they weren't standing in the fire, right? They light the fire, but they weren't hanging out in the fire. By the time the camera cut to them at the scene, they were a hundred yards away from the fire. They were like a hundred yards away from the house. So I didn't see that as a discrepancy. At least I don't think I did. Anyway, that's just me. All right. Insomniac just sent in a super chat badge to be supportive. And the final one today, guys, three hours and 20 minutes after we started this thing, uh, comes to us from Frank Castle, who writes, uh, where can Morbius fit into all of this? Again, it really depends on uh, what's the setting of the movie. There's several main possibilities. Possibility is Michael Keaton, as a result of whatever Doctor Strange's spell is, is that drags some people into the MCU universe, maybe that same spell shot other people out of the MCU universe into other universes, like Michael Keaton's Vulture character. That's one possibility. Another possibility says that maybe Morbius starts in the MCU. Maybe this guy is a guy who lives in the MCU and he becomes a vampire there and then he gets sent over into the Sony-verse. I mean, there's, again, it's hard to have a real strong foundational 
theory about all that. Um, it's hard to have a real strong theory about that until we get a better idea about what is the context of the movie. Still a few months away, so we'll have lots of time to speculate about that. But for now, guys, that'll do it. And my voice is starting to go, too. You can probably hear that. That'll do it for our open spoiler discussion of Venom Let There Be Carnage. I had such a good time with this movie. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, very enjoyable. Very entertaining. I'm glad so many of you guys did, too. But again, like I always said, this movie is certainly not for everybody. I can understand why some people wouldn't. That's all cool. But for me, I had a great time with it. Anyway, guys, do not forget. Uh, John Campus show tomorrow. We already got a number of topics we're going to talk about. I, I now got to go and write... My show notes probably till about one in the morning. I'm going to be up writing show notes. That's not great for me. Uh, but anyway, we're going to go write the show notes for it now. Join me and Robert Meyer Burnett in the morning. Hope to see you guys there. Thank you to everybody for joining us here today, especially all of you guys who sent in the comments, questions, and thoughts. Uh, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel while you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campion channel, thank you guys so much for your support. Okay, guys. That'll do it for me. Thanks a lot for joining us. My name's John Campion, and until tomorrow, my friends, bye-bye.